Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Running Motorsport Magazine Show Midweek Motorsport News, Features, Special Guests, and Analysis from the Experts. Formula One, Sports Car and Endurance Racing, Rallying, Touring Cars and Bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. It is just after uh, 2 o'clock where I am, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, just after 8 in the UK. You're joining me here uh, from the IMSA broadcast booth at Road America, America's National Park of Speed as it's known. Uh, This weekend it is Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, uh, welcoming back the prototypes to the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and of course we'll be uh, live uh, on Friday uh, for all of the action on on the track uh, and also the State of the Series as well. Scott Atherton uh, will be uh, joining me to go through how things are in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship uh, for this year and also it will be the announcement of next year's calendar. Uh, Tim Gray is up in London. We'll say a quick hello to Tim. Hello, Tim. Hello, John. Excellent. Uh, and before we even talk about what's on the show tonight, let me do a couple of tweets. Uh, hello to... Uh, where, where, where's it gone? Where's it gone? Uh, AFA's from Brody, flat four tonight. It's his dad's birthday. Looking forward to the podcast on the roads to Aston Heaven, it says... Uh, Tomorrow, well, I, I, I need to know more from that, Brody. I, I want a full report for next week. Sure. Uh, hello to uh, Pierre Panigua. Panigua? Yes, I think so. Uh, he's listening in tonight. John McCarthy. Uh, Kevin Payne. Uh, Rob Chalmers doing pack and prep for this weekend's British 24 Hours uh, up at Langbar, I presume. He says, he, I'm saving the podcast for the journey to Middlesbrough. After work tomorrow, Middlesbrough, sorry, uh, tomorrow. Uh, who else have we got? EFAs for tonight from Foxtail. Bad case of fleas picked up from a ropey-looking mechanic in the next garage. Need to get a bit of treatment and grooming in ahead of VLN5. Got to be looking my best for my return to the Norge life for this weekend. It'll be uh, Johnny Palmer who leads the commentary team this weekend in another double-header weekend. Uh, racing... Uh, at its best, listening in tonight uh, as well. I'm very excited uh, about my transport for this week as well, uh, which is an Audi Q8, which I'm so far very impressed with. No airfares from Carol Brink tonight, but ask me to speak up a bit during the first half hours because they're blowing up some old ordnance at Fort Ord, just over the back of her at Monterey. That reminds me of the Robert Williams, Adrian Cronauer, um, this is Bob from Artillery. Play anything, but play it loud. 
so we'll be cranking it up uh, tonight. Uh, and also, we're competing against Explosives with Right Turn Lover because it's Swiss National Day tomorrow, uh, but it's usual that a few rockets will be tested uh, this evening, apparently. No apologies from Michael Romano. Full beans headed out due west on the Pennsylvania Turnpike in the McLaren Philadelphia Party Bus going to deliver some goodies in Ohio and plotting how to get Specutainment in a GT4. I like the sound of that, Michael. I'm in. Obviously, you know that. Jack Gabriel is listening um, to the podcast this week, but he's just got his little boy a ride-on race car, and he's wondering what livery it should be done in. I'm going to retweet that right now so that the collective uh, can decide about that. That's uh, now been retweeted. He says, uh, I'm a child of the 1990s, uh, so themes from them as far as he's concerned. Kevin Payne is listening live today. What Hello, does he Kevin? think about the Minardi no. uh, livery from Ooh. 1995? Minardi from 1995. Jack Gabriel, he's listening on the podcast, so we'll get that as a delayed. Maybe because he's so far behind, it should be a Williams livery. Um, but then again, they weren't team awful. Williams then. Uh, now, who have we got here? Hawkins Sorkham Ring. Very good. Uh, no AFAs from him tonight. And he says, I'm ready near the volume control tonight uh, in anticipation of Nick getting excited over the weekend's F1, expecting a big uh, hooray. Kevin Payne listening in on RS1, of course. Uh, back from the future, Chris Suku enjoying a relaxing evening in with Miss Midweek Motorsport. Looking forward to learning what happened in motorsport at the weekend. And Ash says, by the way, straight away, Jordan 191 or Williams FW14 for the ride-along car. Uh, Neil Gardner is being a genius again, doing a fantastic uh, Porsche mural. Neil, loving your work, loving it. Uh, uh, Uptweet says, glad you made it okay, listening on RS1. Or is it on RS2? No, it's RS1. Midweek Motorsport. James Brown is feeling good, obviously. Listening uh, to... Wants to know... <laughs> Everybody is dying to know uh, what Nick's going to be talking about when we get to the F1 section. Uh, 98 Jordan, a good shout. Kevin Poulton listening in in a very wet Yorkshire. Uh, Dedrick Baker listening live, clearing out the photo car ahead of the Porsche Fest. Uh, this weekend. Yes, I'm missing that, sadly. Uh, let me see what that one said. Uh, Jules sat at home and tuned in. Hello, Jules. Bit of a rare one, that. And David T. Bruce, just back from sailing in Croatia, listening in tonight. Hoping everyone's well. A partial AFA, that's a PAFA, be with you in a sec. But that was four minutes ago, so presumably uh, he is there. Alan Prosser, uh, same excuses last week. I'm getting beer. Uh, mm. Giancarlo Fisichella laptop just booted in time we'll get a bit of beer yeah, yeah. alright uh, no AFAs from Andrew Muggeridge Silverson Classic for him last week and the crof- crotch belt in Andrew Mathers in uh, Sarah Rigby's tuned in as well and if you want to send us your AFAs apologies for absence well you'll not be listening to this but um, let us know you're listening and where you're listening from it's at Specutainment and for next week well, that's, that's very true. That is very true. Uh, on a packed programme tonight, Tim, we have what? Uh, we have all the usual features and uh, some of the usual guests. And I might have a right. beer because 
I have this rule that I generally don't drink when I'm alone because that is the road to alcoholism. To ruin. Basically. It's the road to ruin, I tell um, you. No, that is uh, auto route in northern France. Uh, All right. That's Rouen. Uh, I, 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 I like it. Uh, but I feel that I've got you and I've got Nick, so I'm not really alone here. Okay. Seems reasonable. I uh, shuffle your papers and change the jingle, and we'll possibly do the top story. I can't imagine what it'll be. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Uh, we're uh, Matthew Hyman says, sorry, oh, go on. Matthew Hyman oh. says he's a little bit late. He was stripping a wall. Um, I wonder what Mr. or Ms. Wall was, was saying about that. But anyway, moving on. Top story tonight, Tim. Uh, our top story tonight will be Formula One. Hooray! Am I cut up? I don't know. Hey! You are now. Uh, Nick yes, Damon. I can hear you. Nick Damon's with us. Hello, everybody. Hello, team. Hello, marvellous people out there in podcast land. Now, last week, Nick, you'd seen hair. What have you seen this week? <laughs> well, uh, perhaps I was stripping Mrs. Wall as well. Um, <laughs> I have seen no show, sh- shows this week, I'm afraid. Disappointing. Uh, I did see The Lion King um, because nothing else was on and it was rubbish. And then I saw the Horrible Histories movie and that was actually quite good. Okay. Uh, more cultural news from Nick next week. Uh, the German Grand Prix, Hockenheim is uh, dull and boring, said uh, one of our correspondents last week. He's we right, did tell him he was wrong. We told him he we was wrong. We did tell him he was wrong at the time. We said uh, it was wrong at the time. And he spent the weekend wallowing in his wrongness. He, he was very... He wasn't just a little bit wrong, was he? He was as wrong as he wrong, wrong, wrong as he wrong as he could wrong as he be. Um, much like the people who said that How wrong was that? dead... Wrong as he wrong. Uh, much of the people today, F1 was dead five weeks ago um, because it's cyclic. We've always had rubbish races. We've always had good races. We've always had average races. And we had a, an absolute bore fest in France. And we've had three very good races since. And it's every chance that this weekend in Hungary will be dull as ditch water or not. Who knows? That's why you tune in every week because you never know. Uh, well, the thing is, it, it actually wasn't a great race. It was, it was interesting, made, only made interesting because of the weather conditions. How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you define great race then? What's your definition well, of a great race? Well, Surely a great race has... I, I want to see some great and, racing. Well, there was great racing. There was lots of great racing in the wet weather. Staying on the track was great for a number of the labs. I, I think that's, that's a... I would, you know, if we had a, a couple of pints, in a, or in your case, cocktails in a, in, a, in, a, in a business lounge, we'd have a long argument about this. I think that was a great race. You don't necessarily need to have wheel-to-wheel banging like we had in uh, Silverstone. Have great, uh, have great racing to have a great race. It's, you know, how I think I'm it was sure an entertaining race. race. Yeah, I, think I mean, it was you an must have thought race. many. Many Le Mans were great races, but there's very little wheel banging at all at Le Mans. It's all about different things entirely. And, and the race itself, I thought, was a, was, a, was a brilliant advert for the, 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 the assumption that something's going to happen and then proving it to be wrong, would be I go. But it was, which, it was, it, it, yeah, go which team didn't have a great race? Uh, well, there's a few them, well, but Mercedes well, the most. Mercedes didn't have a great race. Alpha had a worse race, so that might be moved on appeal. Who had the um, worst race, beginning with M? Beginning with M, or Mercedes, Bernardi. McLaren. <laughs> Why did McLaren have the worst race? They got points. Uh, 
but they also had uh, a problem with the Lando Norris car. Yeah, it's fine. There was a problem with an auxiliary unit on the engine. They, they shut it down, but they can fix the auxiliary unit in time for this weekend, and they won't lose the engine. So it's just one of those things. And, that, and, they, lost, and, they, and they were the only uh, Renault that finished, because the two Renault Renaults broke down. Yes. Uh, one of them quite spectacularly. Um, yes. Um, one but of many cars. It wasn't an engine. Oh, wasn't it? What was it then? Gearbox? There, there was an issue with the exhaust. Right. Was that because there was a piston ring? A, a, a Conrog gone through it? There, there seemed to be quite a lot of steam coming out of it uh, at a higher pressure than would normally be expected. Right, yes. It's one of those famous uh, Honda failures of the mid-80s, wasn't it? Where there was a problem with the alternator stopped working because it had been blasted off the size of the engine by, <laughs> by a large part of the, of the motor. Yeah, we, we have a problem I with had our wiring problem loom. once. Yeah, yes. I had a pro- I had an alternator problem once on my um, nineteen seventy nine Hillman Hillman Avenger, um, and when I was driving up Horton Cut on the S six ninety, the problem was that one of the bottom end bearings had come through the block and taken the bottom alternator mounting off. That was the problem. That was my alternator problem. That's that sort of thing that you're talking about, isn't it? Bits of the exactly, inside yeah. of the engine making their bid for freedom. Yeah, it's, it, 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 that, I mean, it's, it's less easy to do these days, but certainly there were surprising, surprising lack of actually up and downy bits going bang in the path. It's always something ancillary that stopped working <laughs> because it had been hit by an up and downy bit on the whole. Uh, um, we yeah. managed to have a mixture of real safety cars and virtual safety cars as well. Yes, and, and safety car escorts around before we started normally. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I must admit, I did think that there was too much use of the safety car. Um, a couple of the incidents where the guys were the car, the guys had parked the car off the track and it was not going to get hit by anybody and could easily be rescued. I do think it was just, it, it's gone a little bit over health and safety. It's a little bit, you know, which, um, which car was it? Ricciardo completely. That yeah, Ricciardo next to a gap in the fence with his front wheels lined up with a gap in the fence. Was that Ricciardo? Both Ricciardo and Norris so, didn't, yeah. didn't, didn't need a safety car. But you got absolutely, all the cars that went off on the um, the drag strip needed safety cars because they it was, a, it was a magnet for other cars coming in. But they were a little bit conservative. I personally thought the start procedure was handled really well. I'm not quite sure why everyone was moaning okay. so much in commentary. I think it's cause they, I'll tell you why. It's because they didn't understand it. They hadn't read it and they didn't know what was going on. <laughs> And Ted Kravitz knew what was going on. Yeah, but if, 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 if you see the picture, mean, it's a bit parochial, but if you see the picture of the skybox and they have a whole wall plastered with stats, which they can come out with and entertain us during the two hour broadcast, none of them read the rules. That was, that was no, nothing that happened in that start procedure was any surprise to me. The fact that the laps no, were taken off, the fact that they were given, I mean, I think they went, I think he went a lap too long, but he's very conservative as a new guy, well, fair enough. But, you know, and then they started, and they rolled up and had a standing start. And it was great because it, it actually proven it. It had been five minutes early and one lap less. Again, not an issue, but, you know. And then good. you take it, it, the laps off the end. You, let, yeah. you take the laps off the end of the race. I mean, that, that nobody mentioned that until it actually <laughs> went down. And I mean, it, there was you, me, uh, Jim Roller, and about 20 million other people all shouting at the telly at that point and tweeting like mad going, guys, guys, the rules, the rules. But anyway. <laughs> I, it, you know. it was new. It was new and they were overexcited because it was wet. Um, yeah. Um, so the race, <laughs> you know, if the thing is, if you look, if we, if we normally talk about top three teams. Yeah, because that's that's where the interest goes. And, and if you look at the top three teams, who was the only driver in the top three teams not to make a mistake? You mean the top three teams, uh, the finishing teams, are the top three no, teams top as three we think are the top? Teams. No, they are. 
they are probably the only... Gasly. No, he wrote. The, he went off about three times and wrote the car off at the, by crashing into the back of Albon. Yeah, but was that Sebastian, his fault or Albon's it fault? Was, it was. No, Sebastian. See, I think that was Albon's fault. Oh, it was Sebastian yes. Vettel made yeah. no mistakes. The man we've been deriding for the last year. Yeah, good point, Nick. Trolled good, the thing up from the back, got to second, the highest he could possibly achieve. Was very self-effacing about the whole thing, admitting the car was pretty dreadful when it was wet. But then, as soon as it came alive, he, he made the most of it. And he didn't make he didn't, didn't spin. So, you know, he, he, he was fact, lucky because he pitted in the right places for usually the right well. tires. Yeah, but the thing about it is, he the reason he was lucky actually didn't that that wasn't really the point. And a lot of people were much better with that that good luck, bad luck. The thing that he did pay into his hands, starting twentieth, the field spreads what kills you. But field spread doesn't yes. happen when you keep having safety cars. So he got those yes. resets, and then it, yes. when it dried out, we saw how fast the Ferrari was. But he he was in it to win it. And the point about the whole thing, you had to be in it to win it. You know, Perez off after two laps, out of it. You know, and, and he is a guy you would think would do well normally. You know, Hulkenberg certainly blew his chance for first podium in a hundred million races. Yeah. You know, and Leclerc blew the chance for podium as well. You know, Lewis obviously should have well, should have won, but. You know, you can't. Yeah, I think I think Lewis, Lewis and, and Mercedes, I think have got a very, very. There's a lot of vitriol, a lot of ha ha ha, a lot of gloating being going on. Oddly, from inside the paddock, you know, they mm. they they really attacked them for what basically was, if we re nail it down, one very minor mistake from Lewis, where he went off less badly than the others did, took off his wing, fine, not a problem at all. Then decided to do what every right racing driver does, which is go back to the pits as quickly as possible. Didn't go didn't go the wrong way around the track, just took a a straight line didn't get anyone's way and they weren't ready yeah, for but he didn't go off. through he didn't go through the no, uh, the gateway into the pit absolutely what i'm saying is absolutely therefore he deserved a five second penalty but and then there was, there was confusion because he arrived 10 seconds after the incident and it's like oh, oh the keystone cops this sort of thing i think yeah all right it wasn't particularly slick but you're sitting there gloating because you're so happy that you know nick, finally nick, made a mistake. nick that was under safety car so it actually didn't cost him anything at all it cost, it cost him a little bit of track position. He came out in fifth from first. Yeah. Um, the yes, bit, but what should we talk about car? going off behind, behind the, safety the safety car? Well, no. Have you, have you seen yes, the onboard? Yes, he did go off behind the safety car. Have you seen the onboard? He was doing no miles an hour because he'd gone out yeah. on those softs into safety car conditions, lost all the temperature on them, gone into Correct. that, and he was not pushing at all. There was, he was obviously within the mandated minimum, minimum reference time for the sector, so he wasn't speeding. It was treacherous someone should have said for goodness sake stick to the inside of the corner or he should have realized but um no and he made a mistake and then and i think after he made a mistake because he because he was apparently from i've had a conversation with, with someone who, who knows this oh i'm a bit unwell was massively underplaying it he was very unwell he had stomach flu which you've ever had stomach flu is a terrible thing to have you know, takes his strength away. Takes, yeah, he was apparently regularly visiting the big white telephone over the weekend. Oh um, and, you know, I think absolutely, I think after he dropped down... Nick, not only was off, he not going too quickly, he was actually reported for going too slowly behind the safety car. Oh, that was... Don't that was a, that was that wasn't actually... That didn't happen. That was a mistake on the computer. Did you, you read about that? Who was it? Because, no. he was, because he went into the pits for too long, that 50-second pit stop... Um, yes. The machine miscounted it, didn't realize what was going on, and thought he'd gone too slowly. It was a timing, an- it was a timing anomaly caused by the wow. way he'd gone over sectors, gone not gone to the pit lane correctly, spent too long in the pit lane and popped out. And the computer went, "Wow, that's not right. That's wrong." But of course, it was nothing to do with it. <laughs> it was just um, the circumstance. 
Uh, that's Nick Dearman. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport at Series 14, Episode 29. Uh, I'm at the IMSA Broadcast Centre overlooking the start-finish line for the uh, sportscast this weekend at the uh, America's National Park of Speed. It is Road America this weekend. And Tim's back in London. We're talking about Formula One, of course. I- I'm with you, by the way, uh, Nick, about the uh, the glee with which people were were, were pointing uh, and laughing at Mercedes. Uh, what seems to have been lost in that whole thing is that Grand Prix really only took place because Mercedes had subsidised it. Um, yes. And it, I mean, it's it's doubly bad for them because they had the whole board there. Uh, I, I thought Total Wolf's comments about getting dressed up. Um, and possibly getting a bit distracted for the 200th Grand Prix and 125th year of Mercedes Motorsport were very, very telling uh, at the end. But but ultimately, it came down to two tiny little mistakes by, by their drivers um, on a day when everybody, bar one driver, as you said quite rightly, made oh, no, mistakes. No, 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 and the kind of... Drivers in the midf- some of the drivers in midfield didn't make any mistakes. Just about the drivers in the top teams who made mistakes. You know, some of the midfield drivers had trolled around very nicely without making mistakes, but no pressure, of course. Mm. 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 I, 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 I just think the vitriol was was interesting as much as everybody was pointing and laughing as, as if you know Mercedes had had an, an absolute nightmare. Well, on the surface, they did because they didn't score points, but it was very fine margins. When you, you looked at both the spins that eventually took the cars out going through turn one into turn two, uh, they were barely off a line, not even half a, a Pirelli's tyre width off line that, that spun them around. Now, are, it's, is it still a mistake? Yes, yes, of course it is. But, you know, that was a tiny area compared to, um, uh, you know, Max who ended up doing a, a 360 uh, and, and then caught it and picked it up again. Other people were off the track. Sainz was off the track more than he was on in the first 10 laps, um, which... You know, was interesting, but you know, I, I do think that the the sense of glee that everybody is is was displaying. I understand why the Dutch fans do that because they want to see their guy yeah, do why? well, and I understand why the German fans were doing that because they wanted to see Vettel do well coming from the back. But as you say, from within the paddock, I, pff, it I, 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 it just feels a bit off to me, to be honest. Yeah, and, and, and disappointing off again because we. Yeah, I don't like to keep saying, but you always feel certainly on social media again there's an undercurrent we don't want to talk about it goes on with this in many many ways um just one little point that was very a stat i found out which was very interesting um that uh, this is the first rain affected grand prix that lewis hasn't won for years he's won the last nine rain affected grand prix he's won by lewis hamilton so it's the first one he's not won in 10 so uh let's let's move on from mercedes-benz Erwin Graven said Vettel did actually make a mistake. It was on the last lap after the Sachs curve. He went off the track and was almost overtaken by Kvyat. Nah, I didn't know. It so, didn't, it, I did, didn't see it. didn't happen. <laughs> but uh, he's talking. Okay. So, didn't he also... Quick, quick word about the other teams. Ne- uh, nearly, well, nearly spin on his way into the pits uh, at one point. I think everyone... I think nearly spin isn't, isn't part of the, uh, the equation in that track. It's just uh, not actually spinning. I want to talk about Ferrari pit stops because they uh, got a fine for unsafe release. Oh, no, actually, actually, I'm glad you brought this up. This is actually the big, this is actually the biggest um, story of the weekend, and I'm, I'm, I had forgotten Correct. it in my decision to kind of support other things. That was a terrible decision by the stewards. Okay. Only f- for what the most obvious unsafe release we've seen, and you know why it happens, because when you bring all the cars in after a safety car, 
if you're one of the, the teams and you're part the the, the the higher qualifying teams and therefore you're parked at the front of the pit lane, you're going up with a train of cars going past you. It's just how it works. And they release him straight into the path of Grosjean, and then they get a fine. That's just just not. Did they because... actually touch Nick? If they didn't, no, it was damn close. No. That's Grosjean. Grosjean, you know, we be better worried about crashing. But you managed to stop that from happening. But you can't do it because they're going to sit. Can you imagine a precedent like that where they're thinking, right, we really need to get ahead of someone. Well, we'll just launch him into the into the track. It'll be a ten thousand dollar fine. Doesn't affect. Yeah, he doesn't affect any of the, the big team. Ten thousand dollars, Nick. They're not interested in getting. Uh, Leclerc out ahead of people. They're interested in getting Fettel, who pitted second out ahead of people. And to pit Fettel, they needed to get Leclerc out of the box. Leclerc out of the way. Correct. That's why yeah, they pushed him so, out in front of Grosjean, so that the way was clear for Fettel to have a clean pit stop. And you can't do that. And that, and I have no idea where this, that's this why fine a, only came fine from. rather than penalising Leclerc was there because it wasn't Leclerc's issue they were doing it for, to benefit Fettel no it's done to benefit can, can I, the team can I ask a serious question can I ask a serious question right so we can talk till the cows come home about whether the one at Silverstone should or shouldn't have been an unsafe release in in my in my book and I think in Nick's book it should have been however it wasn't called as such so there was no action taken so uh, as far as the referee was in uh, was was concerned it wasn't an unsafe release however this one it was an unsafe release have you ever known an unsafe release being penalized by anything other than I, uh, a time penalty i can't remember it only being a fine it may have been in in days of, of got your gone by but i mean i think it's, it's a terrible precedent to set and someone needs to actually come out and say michael massey needs to come out and say Sorry, we made a mistake. It didn't affect anything, of course, because um, Leclerc crashed, so it didn't affect the result in any way. Uh, we're really sorry. We've made a mistake. That won't happen again. It will be a penalty every time on the driver because it's just it's just not tenable to have to have teams feeling it's all right to throw the car into the fast lane because they're just going to get fined and the money doesn't matter to them. Shall Unless you find them twenty million pounds, it doesn't matter to them. Shall I tell you what Michael Massey actually said? What? Uh, I think it's one of those, I think you've got to take each, I'm very much a firm believer, and all the teams agree, that you treat each case on its own merits. As much as you can try and group things generally, you have to treat each and every circumstance that comes up and judge it. So yeah, I think in the end that's pretty straightforward. In Monaco, for clarification, it was labelled an unsafe release, but it was actually for causing a collision in the pit lane. So that's why that was different to Germany, which was clearly an unsafe release. Part of the discussion we had with team managers the other day, knowing the conditions could be changeable and also taking into account everyone coming into the pit lane to do tyres at the same time is going to be a factor, it is still quite clearly consistent with the previous penalties. The fact that every other team thereafter uh, didn't, even though the fast lane is as wide as it is, didn't allow what we saw at Silverstone with a car driving on the painted area. Yeah, but I think that's just, that's just him being wiser of the effect. More importantly, let's not forget about rationalisation that. Yeah, also, it cost Grosjean time. Grosjean yes, lost out because of the unsafe release. He lost two, three seconds. Right. So that's not important. Oh, that, so he, he nearly Ferrari, stole the car. So are Ferrari going to pay the money to Haas or to Roman Grosjean? Because that's not fair on him. It's all very well. It's a terrible decision. And basically, um, you know, it, it's the one worrying thing from what was a very good race where they tried some new rules and everything else. But that is... Massey needs to turn around and go, look, we made a mistake. He doesn't have to say it publicly because it's difficult. Just turn around to teams, but just so you know, unsafe release, five seconds, and it's a bad one. We'll find you as well. Simple as that. Uh, well, we might have seen the last of Roman Grosjean, though. No, we haven't. Not going to fire him for this weekend, are they? 
Uh, Rumour is that uh, Esteban Ocon will uh, replace the Frenchman at Haas. What, at this weekend? Well, that was the rumour last weekend. Uh, although uh, I can't see that it has got quieter um, in the uh, intervening few days, uh, despite the fact that there was another on-track incident between the two Haas drivers. It was. They both played behaving like idiots, but luckily they both finished and they got points and they got more points when Alfa were disqualified. So it, 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 they are going to have to change the drivers because they've got a situation now where they are, they, that neither of them has, has, has worked out that there is an I in, there's, there isn't, it's not like there's no I in teams, there's no team in either. Um, so, you know, and, and you can't actually sort them out. So realistically, one of them's got to go. It, it'll be Grosjean because he's not done as well. Who comes in to replace him will be down to what happens elsewhere. Um, you know, and, and if we actually look for winners and losers over the weekend, the, the biggest loser by a country mile was Valtteri Bottas. Because Bottas lost yeah. his chance to catch up to Hamilton when Hamilton was having an off weekend um, by falling off himself. And just at the time when everyone's talking about what do we do next year? What do we do for, with, with yeah. Mercedes next year? And, and he's 41 points behind. If we assume that the reliability continues for Hamilton and Hamilton isn't permanently suffering a gastric flu, that's an awful lot <laughs> of points to make up. So at this point, it, you know, and, and Hamilton's contract runs out at the end of next year. Therefore, if you believe either George Russell or Espen Ocon has a future in the main team, you, it makes sense to put them in next year. So if Hamilton does decide to spend his twilight years at Ferrari or something else, you've got, you aren't replacing two drivers at one go and you've got somebody you can see they're good enough to lead. So, yeah. that's, so Bottas has kind of drifted off this Bottas 2.0 to being you – know, he's, he's a very good driver. and He's, better, you know, he's, he's absolutely fine as, as, as doing what he's doing, but he's not challenging Lewis anymore. Um, and therefore, he's obviously not going to be a team leader. And if he wasn't the number one driver, you wouldn't really expect him to, to, to get anything like the points that Lewis gets over the course of a season. And don't forget, traditionally, it's weaker in the second half than the first half. So at this point, you can say, well, OK, let's, let's, let's see if we want to have Ocon in our team. Or do we want to have George Russell in our team? Or do we want to have somebody else in our team? But, you know, if you've got a driver who might be able to say, hey, you can't fire me because I'm only 10 points off the leader. Well, you're 41 points off the leader. Um, and the leaders are the driver. And I think it's really worked out badly for him. Who uh, has got a new world record? Uh, the Red Bull. Yes, for what? Yes, Fastest pit stop. Pit stop. 1.88 seconds, is it? 1.98 seconds. Yes, 1.88, you're right. Uh, some job news. <laughs> yeah, go on then. <laughs> uh, Alain Prost. Oh, he's got a new job title, isn't he? Yes, he's uh, now non-executive director of Renault Formula One. I'm, does that mean he's got more money, a better, better business part? He's getting himself a free McGann? I don't know. Uh, Marcus Schaefer? No, I don't know this one. He's, he's the Mercedes board, isn't it? He's uh, now non-executive chairman of Mercedes F1, replacing yeah. Nicky Lauda. Uh, and uh, who was the other person who got a new job? Oh, yes, Alessandro Cinelli. Uh, aerodynamicist for Alfa Romeo. Uh, he is now, yes. Uh, he spent the last four, 17 years at Ferrari and uh, decided uh, to move north from Italy to Switzerland. Just to go and do something else, but still feed the information back to Ferrari, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we haven't really... I suppose the only other thing from the Grand Prix is to talk about the, the, the excellent performances by some of the, the, the uh, Division 2 teams, and certainly, obviously chief amongst those Toro Rosso not just Danny Kvyat who had an 
interesting weekend by becoming a father and getting a podium for the first time in three years. Um, but also, of course, the, um, the great performance by Alexander Albon in his first ever race in an F1 car, in the, first time he's ever driven an F1 car in the wet. So, yeah, that's, that's giving Red Bull a very pleasant headache of when they finally decide to fire Pierre Gasly, who really wasn't any good again this weekend, um, which person to place him with. Yes. Uh, they have to keep Gasly until uh, someone else like uh, Patrick Ward has got enough super licence points, so surely. I, I don't know. I think they're, they're, they're very happy to do little, little job swaps, aren't they? They've never had a problem with that. Um demotion promotion but yeah i mean it's it's been a yeah it's been a, a weird green shoot from gasly at silverstone it actually wasn't that bad in qualifying either but um yeah unfortunately uh and it all went pete tong as they say in the race but uh yeah great performance by uh, both kvyat and album um i think i don't i don't want to say anything i did say i thought album was going to be the best of the rookies and i'm not sure whether it shows up in the points because i think the mclaren's a faster car but he's doing a great job uh you mentioned that um uh who was it uh i can't remember where we're going now i've been distracted by someone um what was i going to talk about nick um we're going to talk about one of the other teams i was oh yes (laughs) you mentioned alex albon uh, yes. And him never having raced a Formula One car in the oh, wet. Driven. Never having driven a Formula One car driven in the wet. A Formula One car in the wet. Uh, well, the last time uh, Robert Kubica drove a Formula One car in the wet uh, was nine years ago. And yes, he scored he made, a point. I know, he got the first point for Team team Awful Williams. Well done there. They were interesting. Their, their radical upgrade produced no noticeable improvement in performance. So, um, yeah. That was um, why did the Alphas get disqualified? Oh, that's so a kind of illegal. Well, okay. Well, ha- this is what happened. The reason the Alphas got disqualified is um, to pr- you're not allowed to use any form of traction control, and you're not allowed to um, you know, emulate traction control. And one of the ways that does that is there is a minimum amount of time um, between a torque request, which basically is the driver putting his Put foot, foot on the throttle. On- and that being relayed to the engine to the engine and 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 the um, drivetrain. So effectively, there's you can't put a you can't alternate the delay. You can't blip the delay. It must be a linear. When you press it, it happens and it happens. And I think, I think the delay is something like a maximum of 17 milliseconds or something. So it's pretty right. much instantaneous demand. The Alphas had managed to get themselves out of calibration somehow, and, and their claim is because they've never done this safety car followed by a start before, and they were at, I think, 200 and something milliseconds and 300 milliseconds. Oof. So it wasn't right. close. Um, it no, was no, massively right. out. I think they can rightly say no advantage particularly gained because it wasn't pulsing, but they are, by the letter of the law, which is why they've been kicked out, um, had a wrong start procedure, which was normally in the race have been um, punished with a stop and go in the pit lane, like the same as if you're out of position or you jump the start. They couldn't do that, so they got a 30 second penalty at the end, so they dropped that back out of the points. They are appealing. I'm, I'm not really sure I'm, what they're going to appeal on because they're banged to well, getting I'm, it Andrew, wrong. Andrew Mather says uh, at Specutainment on the, on the Twitter, why was it not a disqualification for a technical infringement? So what were they disqualified for? For a, an infringement of the start they procedure? Did you they say? They got a thirty-second penalty, but that dropped. That's dropped ah. out of points because they're so close together because of all the safety cars. Right, but why weren't they disqualified for a technical infringement then? Because clearly it was 
black it was and an white. Infringement, in... It's an infringement of the start procedure, and there is a written penalty right. for that. So it's the same as if it's, it's right. out of a position start, jumping the start, this. are all infringement of the start procedures. Don't get you disqualified. They get you a stop. They're not drive through, a stop and go. But they didn't discover it till the end when they downloaded the the chips the, right. um, the memory cards so, so this was getting the car off the line nick was it yeah, basically this was getting yeah. the car off the line yeah. okay understood no that's beautifully uh, beautifully uh, explained uh, and we can we move on now are we done yes uh, we're not going to talk Good. about formula one anymore uh, oh. but some little other, countries other than to say hungry at the weekend obviously yes some li- some little countries uh, did uh, well at hockenheim as well didn't they really yeah, you, you, you lost me here. Go for it. Uh, Dylan Pereira of Luxembourg, right, uh, was the winner of the uh, Porsche Super Cup race. Oh, okay. Yes, they had they had an absolute rubbish set of supports, didn't they? I I actually sat there after qualifying. I went out and did something. Came back and went, "Why isn't my Skybox recording F two? Oh, there God, is no F two. And then I, then I went and go, oh, it's Remember, not Remember, we talked about oh. that last week. Yeah, I know. I, but I had forgotten that it's really weird. I was sitting there thinking, oh, God, the skybox is broken, which is obviously is the, the ultimate fear of all men. Um. The, the, the more interesting thing about that was, uh, in what Tim said, Dylan Pereira, right, forget about the from Luxembourg bit, because that's not First burned. ever win. Um, but he said, won the, the Porsche race. There were actually two Porsche races, but the second one was so strewn with safety cars and then they messed up the safety car procedure at the end and didn't get back to green that they didn't actually complete enough laps for, the, for it to be a race so they didn't award any points so it never happened. Well, that should have happened in Monaco, shouldn't it, as well with the F2 race? We had another little country uh, providing the driver who finished third in that race. Um, Liechtenstein. First race. Cyprus. Oh, Okay. First podium in the Porsche Super Cup for Tio Elenas. Is he the first? It's hard on the heel. Well, it comes hard on the heels of a Turkish victory. The yes, uh, the first Turkish two races before Super Cup race as well. Mm. So a bit of you know, bit of needle there between those two. Uh, shall we move on? Mm. Shall we move on? Uh, yes. This is the Midweek Motorsport Series 14, episode 29. Uh, I'm John Hindorf. I'm at Road America, and it's a beautiful day. Just having my windows cleaned at the moment in the booth. Man with a long, with a long stick, uh, with a with a squeegee on the end, doing a well, crap job be. as well. It should, it should be George Formby, shouldn't it, with his uh, with his ukulele. <laughs> he's, he's when he's cleaning windows. I am. Uh, ah, this weekend, me. of course. From Friday, we've got the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. We have the Mission Pilot Challenge. We have the combined Porsche races with 127,000 Porsches in it. I may be slightly exaggerating there. How many drivers the from Luxembourg and... or Cyprus, though? No, don't think so. No. Don't think so. Uh, and uh, we've got two races from that. And we've got two races from the uh, Lamborghini at Super Trofeo as well. So it's a pretty packed weekend. And in the gaps between that, you can always go and listen to the... On Saturday, you can always uh, go and listen and watch the uh, VLN number five. Is that the six-hour race this weekend, Tim? It's certainly round five. When did we finish by the time <laughs> you start? Rather than well, the four-hour race or a six-hour race. Uh, uh, that's why I asked if it was the six-hour race. Mm. Yeah. And if, you, and if you're bored um, on the Sunday, you can you can watch me in Italy. Well, well he listens to me in Italy for RCGP. 
Oh, excellent stuff. If it's uh, Fallout, Lee, has just tweeted. It will overlap it with the uh, WeatherTech Sports Car Championship practice session. Practice. practice three. But if it's a six-hour yeah. race, then it will go all the way on until qualifying for the Pilot Challenge. Eve Hewitt, somebody will tweet that for me in a moment. I'll speak to you later. It says, so German Grand Prix, exciting race or exciting weather? And why the glee over Mercedes features? Mm, what are you, failures rather, what do you think? I'll speak to you, please. Mark Thorne says, there hasn't been F2 or F3 support races at Hockenheim for a few years. We and nobody still has been able to well. answer that. Yeah, I know, nobody's yeah. been able to really... Well, is it though? Because as Tim said last week, you know, is it really about cash? Who gets the cash and where's the cash coming from? Surely it's better to have another series there because there's more cash. Co- I don't know. But, but anyway, what was interesting, actually, just, 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 but what was interesting was that it was um, Lando Norris's worst weekend for a long time because he hadn't been there before, not for many, many years. And also George Russell was beaten by Kibitza for the first time in a long time, um, both because they haven't been on the on that that track hasn't been on the circuit they've been on, which has been the uh, the GP2 GP3 uh, trail. And where would you like to take us next? Uh, I think we should do some uh, two-wheel stuff. Oh, oh! Uh, how much did you? How much did Telly did you watch at the weekend, Nick? Did you see any of the eight hours? No, I saw. I heard about the result. But I didn't see any of it. Unbelievable! Be- best racing of the weekend on a weekend where, all right, let's. There, there was some very good racing at the weekend. Let's say that there was some lots of entertaining racing at the weekend. The drama. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, spoiler alert for people that didn't watch it. Uh, it was the eight hours at Suzuka. And uh, I'd settled into it. It starts in the daylight and runs into the darkness. Um, and I'd forgot how cool it is watching motorbikes with LED headlights on them. Even during the day, they look cool. And the World Endurance Championship for motorbikes uh, is... Normally, just sort of happens. It goes. It's a bit like the VLN. There's there's a few people you've you've heard of, but when the big race comes along, which is the Suzuka Eight Hours, all the factory teams get really really excited and start putting people in. And actually, some of the um, endurance championship guys did really really well. It all boiled down to the last five minutes. Nick, did you hear what happened? Yeah, I heard that it, it, that, um, it got confused by a red flag caused by someone dropping some oil, which the leader, which was Johnny Ray, fell off on the oil or the or the fluid, uh, and then it got. Oh no, it was uh, more than that. It oh, was, okay. It was more. It was more than that because the bike, the Suzuki that blew up in the last five minutes, was on its way to the World Championship by a point, by a single point, because of how the the positions were at the time. The Sert Suzuki blew up and spread oil everywhere and then Johnny Weir who was on his way to winning the race although he was being caught at the time by the second place Yamaha by it was um, was Alex Laws on that bike at the Lose, end Lose and Vandermark, was. Wasn't it? yeah um, who'd ridden superbly on the light boat bike he, he was catching him and Ray falls off and there there was some confusion about where they were timing the race back to and the Yamaha was declared the winner, and that was subsequently overturned afterwards. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, it was brilliant. that The crowd's brilliant there. The whole event is, I mean, in the darkness with all the Japanese in the various stands with their little colour-coded um, glow sticks. That is a brilliant... I have to go to that event now. I want to go and see that event. 
It was absolutely brilliant. And it was good to see... Um, it, it was good to see, as I say, some of the regulars from the World Endurance Championship for motorcycles doing well um, against the superstar teams. But I, I, did they, re, they did reinstate Johnny uh, Johnny Reyes' yeah, won. Uh, yeah. win, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he won. I think he was with Topak. Top, top black can't, can't pronounce his name and uh, I think it was with Leon as well wasn't it I think it was just it was a world super bike it was super a, team wasn't it it was uh, and uh, Top Rack did a stint in the middle there was some discussion about whether he would ever get on the bike but he definitely did because I saw him on it uh, Leon and uh, Johnny Red did uh, their more than their fair share uh, it was it was a great win for them and I I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it watching on? it and it uh, uh, it was, was on Eurosport. Was it, okay. No, no, it was on. It, it, it was on Eurosport, um, and they had again this. I don't know whether this was a world feed from the event or whether this was just Eurosport, and maybe Tim knows this. But they had Julian Ryder uh, back on the team, who used to do um, a, a lot of motorcycle commentary um, and analysis um, in the past, and it was great to hear his voice. And him and Jack Burnickle and the rest of the team. They were brilliant. They were so well informed. They were so enthusiastic. The storytelling was outstanding. I really, they had Terry Reimer, I think, in there as well, who's always a joy. We've had him at Tyndorf Towers doing some motorcycle and some of the Italian road racing stuff in the old Motors TV days when we were doing some stuff off-site for them. Uh, and the storytelling was brilliant. And I've, I can't remember who it was on Twitter who said it at the time. And this is, uh, this is a very much a compliment to what we do. Uh, they said it was very Radio Show Limited-like in how they did it. And and I know why people say because it was so entertaining and the storytelling was great. They missed nothing on the track. Uh, it, the coverage, if I'm honest, they could have probably done with three or four more cameras at Suzuka, but you could probably always say that. But you never noticed that, Nick, because the commentary was so engaging. It was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. That was the thing that I, I made sure I didn't miss all weekend as soon as I knew it was on. It was absolutely brilliant. I watched the first bit on tape delay, caught up with it, and then kept going back to it when it was on live. And brilliant event. Absolutely brilliant event. If you haven't seen it, ladies and gents, then please, please, please uh, go and look at it. Um, it was great. Really very, very good. Wonderful. Uh, that's James Buchanan uh, Sorry, James Buchanan says, uh, regarding uh, commentators not knowing the rules, I just shout at my TV regardless. I think I might have a problem. Either or I'm very passionate. Can we go with the second option, please? <laughs> very good. Very good. Sorry, Tim, move ahead. Uh, that wasn't the bike story we were going to do. Oh, <laughs> OK. Uh, having spent eight minutes on it. Uh, but good, the... Uh, there's been some change in British Superbikes. Oh, yes. Uh, on Monday uh, came the news that uh, Glenn Irwin and the Quattro Plant JG Speedfit Kawasaki team had parted ways by mutual consent. Uh, Kawasaki UK Senior Racing Coordinator Ross Burridge said, Glenn has a long history with Kawasaki, riding for us in a multitude of classes, achieving numerous successes along the way. We signed Glenn this year with the hope of retaining the British Championship, but for myriad of reasons, it hasn't worked out. No, then on Tuesday, uh, we got some more uh, Glenn he's riding it. Is he going to ride a Ducati? No, a BMW. No, it's okay. BMW, mate. 
the Tyco BMW team have signed him for the remainder of 2019 uh, alongside Christian Eden, who uh, is someone else who's had a very disappointing first half of the year, to be honest. And who's been signed by Cowards Lucky? No one yet. Uh, I haven't seen anything, but I'm sure they will have done. It's this kind of tie. We were chatting about BSB, was it last week, week before? And this kind of ties in with the fact that you look at the, the leaderboard, there's no Kawasaki at the top. Um, and obviously, they were used, they're used to winning. So they've, they've made a uh, an interesting change. But there's, you know, BSB, you know, I actually caught some of the highlights recently. It's Scott Redding, as I said before, he's, he's, he's got his mojo now, and they're going to find it really hard to stop him. Uh, yes, and uh, I, I'm guessing that, uh, I mean, it's only three points. Three points, four points, three points between uh, Tommy Bridewell and Josh Brooks for second. Both of them also on Ducatis. Um, the Glen Irwin um, Kawasaki wasn't even the fastest Kawasaki. No, that was uh, Danny Buchan. And uh, Glen Irwin wasn't even the fastest Irwin either, because Andrew Irwin, <laughs> his uh, <laughs> far less experienced brother, who's on a Honda... Um, is eighth in the championship and Glenn is nowhere. That's a, that's a, that's I a, think that says as much about the Kawasaki than, than, than well, no, Glenn. Can you imagine? Uh, you, you walk talent. into the meeting, you know, walk into the meeting, and go, okay, we have got some problems like that. Well, you're not the fastest Kawasaki. You're not, and also, you're not the fastest Irwin. You're fired that's by mutual right. consent. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, the uh, that's the the old story, isn't it? Of the uh, of the three uh, racing drivers uh, who says. Uh, uh, living all living together uh, uh, in the same street and in three houses side by side and the first racing driver says uh, I'm the best driver my country's ever produced second racing driver says I'm the best driver that uh, the world has ever produced and the third driver says I'm the best racing driver in the street that's all <laughs> which I really kind of, really kind of like um you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. We're live from the booth here at Road America. Uh, and Shay Adam has joined us. Well, say hello, Shay, first of all, just to prove you're here, just to prove we're live. Hello, Shay. Hello, Shay. There you go. That's on a sh- and um, I can make her say that again. See? Hang on. Hello, Shay. There you go. You see? Do you like that? Yes. That's what, she's going to do some cricket Hot scores in a moment to prove we're live. Uh, cricket's all finished for today. Have you been watching the European Cricket League? No. Let's Definitely not. Even- not. Let's not even get involved in that. Um, have we got any more motorcycle news? Oh, yes, we have yes, got some more do. motorcycle news. Because uh, there's good yes. news if you're a British superbike fan and you live in the USA, Canada, China, Japan, the Middle East, uh, Africa or Latin America. Well, got Declan Brennan is country. very excited by this. Uh, because not, he does well, live in the US. Sort of. All rounds, all remaining rounds in all those countries, Nick. Although not directly, necessarily. Ah. <laughs> She's about to hang herself on uh, her uh, headphone Try cable if we, uh, if we start talking about cricket too much, I think. Um, the, no, you can see all of the remaining rounds in those territories announced by Tim there um, because the Discovery-owned uh, motorsport Most channel trend. have announced most, uh, uh, no, disc- uh, in partnership with Discovery owns Eurosport the Motor 10 group who aren't owned by Discovery um, have announced well, a new agreement for the Motor Trend app do they? Yes. Uh, to become the exclusive live streaming home of the Bennett's British Superbike Championship in those uh, coverage areas so cool. so that will be uh, if you want me to quickly run down um, so this, this weekend at Thruxton 
then Cadwell Park, 17th and 18th of August, then Alton Park, 7th and 8th of September, uh, Assen, 21st and 22nd. Do you fancy going to that, Nick? Do you fancy going to Assen, 21st, 22nd of September? Uh, no, I'm, I'm in Slovakia doing a world championship. Of course you are. Uh, October 5th and 6th at Dono and Brands for the finish at October 19th and 20th. Yes. I do want to do, I do want to do a European trip on the bikes this year. That's why I say that. Well, go to us so, on your own. <laughs> I'd have to. <laughs> I, tell I you might who, have to. Kerry Cobb will go with you to Assen on a bike. She hasn't got a motorbike. She can borrow a spare one of yours or next. Oh, actually, she could probably blag one, knowing uh, Kez. She could pos- possibly blag a Honda to go. So th- there's an there's an idea. Um, I've, I've had an invitation from Drew Gibson, who's doing the Northwest run round Scotland, um, but that starts on the weekend while when I'm away. So I I can't do that either. I've just realised that. I've, I was looking forward to that as well. That's another trip we have to do, Nick. Either on two wheels. Five hundred mile one. That yeah, that's one that uh, died last year, didn't she? Died of that last year in a car. Oh, did she? Yeah, yeah, she did. Bingsy. She did the, the yeah, Binksy did. Yeah, she said lots of pictures. Yeah, she's had a great time. Uh, I, I'm, I've seen it. I've read loads about it, and and the difficulty is knowing a which car to take or b take the motorcycle. The only thing about taking the motorcycle, it's so far to get there before you start. You'd square off and yeah. take it before you get there, wouldn't you? That that is the issue. I think I think that's the sort of thing. It's a classic car run. Um, think- and I'm pretty. I'm pretty confident the Triumph will get there. I mean, obviously, yeah, I know you've had issues with the alternator falling out the bottom of the Porsche, so what can you do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> only only on the 968. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's fixed now. It's fixed. It's fixed now. It was my fault. I didn't heed the signs. It's as simple as that. Uh, Midweek Motorsport. It's uh, Series 14, Episode 29. Nick's got to leave us in about six minutes because he's got a taxi job in his Jeep. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Which child is this? <laughs> No, it's, not, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's um, one of the guys who's going to Italy with me for the uh, RCGP. Ah. We're flying early tomorrow morning, and he lives, and so he's coming to stay overnight, and then we've got an exciting trip to Stansted. Yeah. Where are you <sighs> flying to in Italy? Because you know that uh, Milan Lenate is closed. We're going to Milan Malpanza. Uh, when did they close so. the uh, Last week. It's only closed for three months while they resurface the runway <laughs> and completely refurbish the terminal buildings. That's really interesting. Cause I wonder why I couldn't get a flight to Lenato. I was trying to book these flights. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, well, now, now you know. Actually, come. Have we got time to have a quick word about Italian what you're going airports. to do? Because this, no, about what <laughs> Nick's going to do. Because the concept of this in scale racing is very interesting. Because it's sort of like a breakaway series, isn't it, Nick? That yeah. that you're doing. It's a bit like the. It's a bit like Curry Packers cricket. Um, <laughs> Back, back in the back in the day, not in the fact that um, it's running South Africa and everybody's wearing uh, strange clothing, um, but but it is an invitation-only series that's sort of going head to head against the establishment, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, I think what the the main point about it is to make it rather than make it just for the competitors, is actually make it for the spectators, be they at the event or be watching online. Um, just to give you an idea, an RC event, um, the qualifying is done much like Friday practice in that you just that people will run around and, and the best combination around. of times you, know, you don't actually race anybody you only ever compete against the clock and then then you get to a set of finals where you race um, which is not massively interesting qualifying obviously unless you can come up with very good tidbits but with, with RCGP um, two things have happened first of all we have it's a, it's a light DTM Saturday and Sunday are completely different race events 
uh, held at the same track. So we have two two separate days of events, and we have qualifying races. So the qualifying, the ra- every race the top drivers go out in is a qualifying race. They are seven or eight minutes, and at the end of the, then each round is a reverse grid. So the fastest guy in the previous race will start at the back. So you get guaranteed action the whole way. Uh, we have a f- different finals on the Saturday. They have two 15-minute finals aggregated, and on the Sunday it's an hour-long final. And as you say, it's an uh, invitation. So the there's a kind of a, there's a bit of rotation in, in, in lower level, but on the top level, we've got five world champions, um, several European champions, and then some of the up-and-coming drivers as well. And it's great. I think it's a I think it's a cracking idea, um, and it it works really well. Um, I've seen I, I saw the where were you, where was the last one? Very, uh, very. Where you were nearly killed? Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, yes, that's right. That's where I was nearly killed by a, a lightning strike. Yeah, I, I saw that. It was it was ter- tremendously entertaining. Uh, I like the fact that the it's the, the the qualifying is set by races, so there's always something happening. We've talked on this show before, haven't we, about um, the fact we like MotoGP, where the practice sessions actually count for something. So you've got to go out there and do a time, and you yeah. can't be hanging on to tyres and saving stuff. And I think, in, particularly in terms of a single day event, if you make as much of it as you can interesting and competitive, then you're more likely to get people watching the early sessions, which drags them into the the races themselves. I, I think it's a I think it's a cracking. Thank you very much. And, and obviously, there's a lot more um, stuff, but we've got a lot of packages put around it, so it, it comes out effectively. If you look at it, it's, it's, it's the, the packages make it look like a professional TV production. So there's a lot of you know, GVs and items and features and everything else. So we're trying to make it a, 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 a not so much a breakaway, really, a, a move up to try and take RC into. And it's interesting. I just entirely see that it was announced um, this week because I don't know if you saw the announcement from SRO about the Motorsport World Cup or the World Cup of Motorsport. Yes. they're going to they're going to grow. Motorsport Games. We talked yeah. about this uh, while. Well, they, they announced. They announced. Trey Woman was on the yeah. show. They're going to announce what's in it. They so this, ne- this year is like four things. Then next year, adding three or four more, including esports. And and we are already saying no, no, no. You need to add RC to that if it's a world. Yeah. World motorsport game, so we're we're already looking to try and uh, petition some people. Um, luckily, who are whom I vaguely know uh, to try and get ourselves in. Right, well, not directly to Stefan, but some some people like him. Yeah, uh, to say that this is this is a a very very it's useful. like Stefan. I'm not. I'm not saying necessarily. Probably what you probably go with in the end is is the one eighth track cars because they are the the fastest and easiest to set up and also sound spectacular, and look spectacular rather than the off road stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think yeah, the RC is you know you only have to look at the uh, current world champion. He's he's XRC as are a vast number of the other people who have driven the cars as well. And I know esports has got the the zeitgeist at the moment, and uh, but you know there's nothing. It's still just control alt delete to start again. It's not actually repairing the car. It's not setting the car up with physical. Um, yeah, actually manipulation. So, in fairness, I think RC is probably the, the best training ground for engineers you're going to find because it's very easy to change the cars around and see what happens. What about something like Formula Student? Well, it's very expensive and very limited, isn't it, with the people who actually achieve that? Yeah, you know, any 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 child or kid or you know, whatever can 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 can, can tinker with an RC car and race it every weekend and very locally themselves and work out what happens. And the other thing to remember about RC is, and I think it's it's a key point in in the days of Formula Women and everything else. It's complete equal opportunities. We're not bothered about Correct. a race, sex, anything. More importantly, we have a number of people who are uh, you know differently abled. And, and, and I remember one of the best races I ever saw was a guy who broke his back in a speedway accident. But was able to continue racing, yeah. you know, in RC, and it's a really an open environment. That's 
Thank, thank you for giving me this platform, uh, it, but I appreciate it. <laughs> it. It massively opened my eyes when I when you asked me to get involved, and and, and you'll remember what I said. I said I'll only do it um, if if I'm taking it seriously and I can learn about it. And the moment I walked into the paddock and started talking to the top guys, it's just motorsport at a smaller scale. It's just like walking into a full-size paddock, except it only takes you five minutes to walk around because everybody's on tables rather than being spread out in a paddock in, yes. in, in the big haulers, which is, which is really useful, quite frankly. But, I mean, getting access to world champions and uh, and watching them strip cars down and rebuild shock absorbers and work out what they're doing with their chassis and all that sort of stuff. It's all proper, proper engineering, exactly as you do in, in one-to-one racing. It's just all with smaller tools and, and yeah. on a bench instead of on a, on a hoist. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary stuff. Uh, and the skill levels of somebody standing 50 or 75 feet away from a car that's doing 70 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, not scale speed, actual speed, and working out when to brake to turn in. And when you talk to them afterwards, they talk about, well, it was sliding around a bit and the back got a bit loose. And you're thinking, but you weren't sitting in it. How do you do that? It, <clears> it's <throat> outstanding. It's absolutely out. So where's that from at the weekend, uh, Nick? And where uh, can we see Italy, it? in Asti. And what I will do is I will share the Facebook live feed. I'll share them onto the collective. So they'll be on there. All right. Smash them in. Right. Go and get the taxi out and uh, go and get the table. We'll see you, <laughs> we'll see you next man. week. Midweek motorsport. And don't you dare switch off now because the next hour is going to be even better. Oof. That's a lot to live up to, isn't it? Uh, thanks to Nick Damon. More from him next week. Your tweets, please, at Specutainment. Coming up in hour two, we'll be taking a closer look at the plethora of sports car action from here at Road America this weekend as we have four IMSA series. Actually, five, but in four races. Tell you more about that uh, as we go through this hour. Uh, we'll have some... Uh, uh, some uh, more news from around the world. We, I'm going to try and do a bit of VLN as well, if we can get hold of one of our VLN commentators for the uh, Saturday race this week. But next up, it is American News. Shea Adam has made it from the airport, and we'll be talking IndyCar next as we kick off the second hour of Midweek Motorsports Series 14, Episode 29, and we're live from Road America. Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. And just to prove we're live, uh, the current score is 1-2. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a, that's a bit of a shocker, isn't it, really? Uh, good well, evening. Really. Oh, good I afternoon. Mean, I'd expect it to be higher to the away team because... Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I, it's only 2-1. There's still a, you know, there's still 1-2. There's still, well, a, there's still a hope for the minutes hope remaining as well. Yeah, it could still be a draw, that. Uh, good afternoon, as it is here, just after 3 o'clock uh, Central time is where we are this weekend. And that's important for uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. That's minus 6 to the UK. Hello, Shay. Adam, how was your journey? E- eventful? Uh, very uh, calm. Uh, the drive up was very calm, I'll say. I Excellent. took speed limits into consideration. Yeah, good. Um, well, you only considered yes. them. You, you, you didn't actually abide by them. You considered them and then threw them out the window. I acknowledged the speed limit boards as I drove past them. Yes. With a little um, cheery with a little wave. wave. Perhaps, yep. yes. Yes. Yep. Um, but, no, it was a good drive up. It was a very funny flight from Charlotte to Milwaukee because I had the entire crew of the Whalen Engineering Cadillac with me. We could have run a full race for their car. Strategists, mechanics, engineers, you name it. Uh, even well, you nearly had to get them working on the plane because you were delayed a bit, weren't you? Well, that was... W- um, so, how often has this ever happened? They do the pushback vehicle and then they can't get the pushback vehicle unattached from the front wheel of the plane. 
Oops. That's why we were delayed on that flight. So, Weather delay out of Fort Lauderdale at this so, point. So the, the tug wouldn't <laughs> let go. Let go. Yep. No, I'm, no, no, yeah. no, don't leave me. Don't leave me. <laughs> it was the full image of a desperate child clinging to mommy's Excellent. legs. Uh, yeah, so it was, a, it was a good flight up. Good travel. Uh, IndyCar was at Mid-Ohio at the way. Cracking crowd, oh. by the way, for race day. But um, still camping spots available trackside. Yeah, I noticed mm. that the RV lines up towards the keyhole, not as busy as it would normally be for IMSA. I think that speaks mainly to the type of people that go, but you can't complain about the crowd on race day. The uh, grassed areas behind the paddock were absolutely chock full of of people who've come for the day and, and around madness on the bank sides it looked great there was um, very little happening there on the Saturday or well yes yeah fair, fair point yeah but they do have to louder. say though um, it does bode well that the track side had so many people because we would assume that that means it's not as muddy as it was when we no, were there I, I, in May is, so that, that's important that is that is a fair point well made and beautifully presented um, Mid-Ohio um, great circuit Track position, absolutely key. Always the choice between going two stops or three stops. Um, it, it, it's, the computer says there's barely any difference. Alexander Rossi run last year, won last year going a long two-stop strategy. And indeed, the winner this year came with a two-stop strategy. But there was plenty going on. But in a fuel race, for the two-stop cars particularly... You never bet against Scott Dixon, do you? We said this a couple of weeks ago. Well, we when we were talking about the championship and how Dixon was 98 points behind Joseph Newgarden, the last technically still alive driver, man, it's going to be hard for him to come back into the championship. And what did we say? Never bet against Scott Dixon. He nearly threw it away, though, because he was out of tyres at the end. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say threw it away, but but he, he nearly lost it, for sure. And and with his teammate right behind him, pushing him as hard as, as he was. Great race for, for Rose and Chris. Oh. Uh, fantastic, clear message, clear, clear instructions from the Chip Ganassi Racing team. Race them, you've got a chance of winning this, but remember he's your teammate. Exactly, and that's I all. I thought it was very clear. I, I would not have done that well, with Dixie still in the championship hunt. hunt. I wouldn't have done it. That's the difference with Chip. He doesn't care. He wants winners. He doesn't want championships necessarily. He wants wins. And for Chip, let's just give him a little golf clap because that's three major wins he's had in the last three weeks between Lime Rock Park with the 67.4 GT. We had a huge win from Kurt Busch in the Cup Championship and now getting Scott and with the first 1-2 for the team since 2017. That's uh, quite the accomplishment for Ganassi. It was uh, a full green race again. Again. Um, which, you know, everybody looks at that track and says it can't possibly happen. That's that's two in a row at least mm. that I can remember because the Rossi race last year was, was full green uh, as well. Rossi did himself no harm at all in the championship, wow. as did Paginot, as did Dixon, mainly because of a really, really odd lack of judgment, bad judgment, um, brain fade is all you can describe it from Joseph Newgard and he did acknowledge it in the post-race interview which I thought again very classy from him yeah he had fourth place pretty much sewed up he he could have just taken that and walked away should have he should have especially considering he's the championship leader and oh by the way he's won a championship before it's not like this is a new position for no him. that's a good point it made a very bold dive down the inside of Ryan Hunter Ray uh, at the at the keyhole didn't pay out wound up in the gravel stalled the car and goodbye and the thing is that was purely for a few extra points for him because Ryan Hunter Ray 
isn't in the championship no. hunt. It's it's not as if it was he was racing Rossi. But in fairness, one person who always comes on, aside from Scott Dixon, one person who always comes on really, really strong at the end of the season is Ryan Hunter Ray, the winner of the last race of the last year, and he's only in six point sixth place in the championship, so he's not that far out of it if Newgarden was to all of a sudden implode. He could find himself behind Hunter Ray in the points. There's still a handy, handy lead from Joseph at the the top of the championship, 504 to 488 to Rossi in second. Pagano, 457. I think Rossi probably thinks he got all he could out of that race. They went very early um, for the two. St- they went for the two-stop strategy. Yeah. He was fuel-saving very, very early on, and in fact barely made it. I didn't think he was going to make it to the end on a 31-32 lap run at the end, which nobody had done. And I thought he was going to really struggle if he'd had to fight. He didn't have to fight. He, he took the, the points uh, that were on offer. Pagino, he'd done um, it earlier in the race, though. His first stint was 33 laps. Well, I don't think it was. He a, came in about... Tw- he, he did a really? short middle. I thought he did a short one. Yeah, he did a short... He did a... He did a 33, a 27, and he did a 31 or something like that. I think oh. he did a 27 first. Maybe it was a 27 first, I'll, I'll, but I'll, he'd done a longer stint than he okay. needed to do yeah. in that final stint already in that race. Mm. Um, I, 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 he, I, I wondered if he was going to have enough if he'd had to fight, and, and clearly he didn't have to. Uh, Pagano got some good points, but Dixon really, uh, with top score and he got points for leading the most laps as well mm. the the interesting thing is the tracks that they're coming up to because there's four races remaining but of course the last round it's being Pocono. yes Pocono which Rossi won last year but it's oh, in style last it, year yes but that was also a race that affected a lot of people because there was the big crash right at the beginning that took out um it was Ryan Hunter Ray and Wickens. Correct. So that mentally played a part in that race. Uh, Gateway coming up, which is a Penske track. Portland, which last year threw a giant curveball at everyone with Takuma Sato winning. And then Mazda Raceway Laguna, excuse me, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca to finish out the season. That still says MRLS. Yeah, Yeah. just noticed that on the IndyCar website. Um, Double points. Double points for that. And if I'm any one of those top four feeling pretty good about where we're going, it's Scott Dixon because he's won it three of those four tracks in the past. Mm. So... I, I, I thought it was an interest. I did think it was an interesting race. There was some interesting uh, Honda and Chevy tactics that went on, but for the most part, everybody played fair and respected the the championship uh, as it was uh, as it was playing out. Um, is there still that big discrepancy between the two engine manufacturers in terms of power and uh, engine mileage? It, it, it looked like some people could could make their engine work better than others. On paper, yes. In action, no. Mm. And it comes down to the way that teams call their strategy. I mean, Ganassi had this owned, signed, sealed, mm. deliver this weekend, as did Honda. And, and split and split their strategy, of course, yeah. because um, Rosenquist did the three-stop. Yeah, and they proved that Honda can be fast no matter what the strategy is and ultimately get around all the Chevys because it was an all-Honda podium. But you look at the top four in points. You've got Joseph Newgarden leading in a Chevy. You've got Simon Pagano in third in a Chevy. And in second and fourth are two Hondas with Rossi and with Dixon. So we don't know who the title's going to go to yet because they're all too close together. And that's exactly what we want. So it's kind of worked out this year, the manufacturer battle. Um, I I liked the call from Chip on, on Felix. Um, that he went relatively long. 
uh, for the first stop. But as I said at the time, uh, again, more shouting at a television on Sunday, <laughs> if you start off at a two-stop strategy, you can be flexible and go to a three if you want to by shortening up your middle stint or then going for a, a, a short final stint. You, you can play that. If you've started as a, as a three and you've gone in in the first 15 laps, there's no way you can convert to a two at that point <laughs> unless there's so much safety car running that the guys who were doing a two-stop are going to make it easy. So it's still never... I'm never really sure why you start off going for a three-stop strategy there because it never really pays off. It was a bit of a hybrid strategy for Rucci. He got close. Yeah. For, for uh, Rosencrest, rather. He got close because he was on better tyres at the end, but but he didn't do the very short opening stint as everybody else did the only, it's about track position no, no it is the only reason I can think that you wouldn't start off with the two stop strategy is if you don't have the confidence in your driver to be able to save fuel as well as everybody else can and you do just want to take them off the leash right at the beginning and say okay go as hard as you can you know it's it a bit like what we saw at Lime Rock actually a three stop versus a two stop in GTLM yeah. so yeah. we had the privilege of observing Richard Westbrook being completely taken off the leash, the leash thrown out the window and saying, forget you've ever been on a leash. Fired into space, in fact. Exactly. That yeah. Versus Bamber, who was very clearly having to save fuel and tires to get to the end of the race. So uh, the two strategies playing out, and ultimately the two-stopper working better for Dixon, mostly because of lap traffic. Yeah, and he dealt with that very well. Yep. Uh, he, he's, he, uh, but he makes fuel. Yes. He, he really makes fuel. Um, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Quick note about the VLN this weekend. Thank you, Pete Bester. It is the Rover Six Hours ADAC Rear Cup race this weekend on the VLN, uh, and that will be live in sound and vision. Uh, Tim, what you got for us next? Who's been saying nice things about Felix Rosenquist, apart from Shay? Everybody. Everybody. Everyone. Who, uh, who, who uh, that's quite relevant to the situation? Scottish friend of the show. Uh, uh, Dario. Dario Franchitti. Dario Franchitti. Yeah. What's he been saying? Uh, long, long, long paragraphs. You can read it all, read it all in uh, races.com where they've got a very long interview with him. Okay. Uh, hello to Pete Newton, who's uh, catching up. He says, I'm still catching up on the races last weekend as well. Excellent. Uh, which the, former Formula One driver... Has had his first IndyCar test this week. Oh, Felipe Nasser is correct. Shay. Yep, he drove Hinch's car at Mid Ohio. Mm. Do we read lots into that? Nothing yeah. into that, or it was just already planned? The, um, the person it who was drove the person who drove in the equivalent test last year uh, was one Marcus Ericsson. And what happened to him? He got the seat in the number seven car. Yeah, and the person who drove in the equivalent test uh, a couple of years before that was one Robert Wickens. And what happened to him? He got the seat in the number six car. He did, yes. Still has the seat, I should say. Yes. Yeah, the the interesting thing, though, is that they have tested other drivers um, that they haven't made as big of a fuss over I guess I would say they, they haven't publicized it as much that they had those drivers in their car Felipe it's no surprise that he was going to be doing the test he was at the track uh, all weekend blending in with the team sort of learning how it was going to be had a nice long test apparently was up to speed very quickly which comes as zero surprise um, but part of the advantage was my flight in being with the wheel and engineering team I was able to talk to them about him going off and doing the test and they said that in their minds him getting extra 
extra seat time is never a bad thing, especially considering that they don't get to test as much as some of their competitors do. So if he gets the opportunity to do a few races here and there in another series in another car, it's just more and more seat time. And they are more than happy with that. Well, let's see if you can hear uh, from uh, Felipe himself sometime over the weekend, Shay. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, it's a great idea. Absolutely. Top idea. Um, which brings us nicely, Tim, as if we planned it. Wow. Isn't it? To, to talking about the paddock coming to play, <laughs> coming what do you uh, think into I left to position now. No, that's very good. Just like magic. Just like magic. Uh, we're looking across a paddock that is refreshingly empty, or <laughs> scarily empty, perhaps, depending on which way uh, you look at it. The first few teams are in, and delighted to say, first of all, the most speed trailer is in, but I presume that's the most speed hauler for the Porsches, yeah? Yep, yep, no Audi. Uh, no, not back yet, unfortunately. No, um, and we've also lost... Uh, well, uh, one of our drivers from the 48 Paul Miller car for the rest of the season now due to his knee problem. Yeah, it's it's pretty... Um, Scott Hargrove, isn't it? it no, Scott uh, Hargrove uh, is in the uh, Fab Porsche, but he also was not driving that car this weekend. Right. Jackie Heinricher is not driving the 57 uh, MSR, the Heinricher Racing Acura. Right. So four out of the five newcomers to the GTD class with the surname starting with the letter H are not completing the season because Ryan Hardwick is out with a knee injury Thank you. for the Paul Miller Racing Lamborghini. Thank so you. we don't have Hardwick. We don't have um, Hardeman from More Speed. We don't have uh, Hargrove I, oh. from Faf or Heinricher from the 57 Acura. Okay. The only one left standing is Richard Highstand okay. from the Lexus. Yeah. Be careful this week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, he'll be walking around looking for black cat mirrors and uh, and ladders leaning up against, up against the wall. Um, are we, we're going to get Tom Milner back this weekend as well. Yes, which is great news because he loves this place. And for Tommy to come back to any sort of racetrack, you know, to, to make his reappearance in the series. And by the way, uh, we lost a Corvette driver. We lost a Ford driver. We lost a BMW driver. All four of the Porsche drivers still have all their points. So I'd be a little bit nervous if I'm a Porsche yeah. driver. I would be wrapped in bubble wrap yeah. Um, but yeah for Tommy bubble to come wrap. back here the site of the very famous 2016 snafu where he went from 5th to 1st in the span of 10 minutes at the end of that race extraordinary <laughs> race that was, that so was. Cool. I, I mean I still I'm still not entirely certain uh, what happened uh, we've got a uh, a busy weekend with the championships on show here I said five championships but effectively four sets of races because the Porsche race has the Canadian version of the championship as well for two races. But they're actually out on the track together. And just to complicate things further, there are some entrants who are entered in both championships for points. Yes, and they are scored as two separate races. So there's <gasps> no there's no overall winner. There's a Canadian winner and an American winner. And if oh, so on the timing screen, it'll show like two different classes. So, th- so there'll be two number ones in class, two number twos in class. What happens when somebody is is in both championships? I believe for the three, maybe four cars we have doing both championships, there will be two transponders, but there will be one at the front of the <gasps> car and one at the back. So <laughs> they're going to be in different locations. So you'll see a number 79 next to Roman DeAngelis and a number one next to him. One running Mark Motors, one from a different team. It's going to be 
very interesting to see how it all plays out. But on the results pages, John, you're going to have a... No, don't forget about the results pages. How am I meant to decipher <laughs> that on the, on the timing screen? We'll, we'll walk through it. It's okay. Race control is right behind us. So any mm-hmm. questions you have, I will direct you to mm-hmm. one John Maisky. I will give you his John's phone number great. so you can yell at him lots. Uh, no, it'll, it'll be a really interesting uh, race because ultimately... We will have four podium ceremonies for each of those races. Uh, no, wait a minute. Four, three, six, nine, twelve. No, we're going to have a lot more than, than that. Um, we didn't have a gold car driver entered in Canada because that would be Sam Fellows, who's still dealing with a Hunt wrist problem. injury yeah. from Montreal. So if we have a gold category driver, then we would have three categories Per series running out on track at the same time, which would be six classes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, so, so a huge field of Porsches, however. Yes, yes, we have a lot of Porsches. That'll uh, be very pretty. For two races, uh, which you'll be able to uh, listen and see, of course, sound and vision for all of the development classes from IMSA via RadioLamont.com and the IMSA player on there. Don't worry, we'll tweet a, a URL out that for that. Uh, if you don't know where that is, but if you search IMSA live stream RadioLamont.co, you'll find that fairly easily. Um, Lamborghini's back. We haven't seen those guys for a while. Lamborghinis are back. We last saw them at the Glen, so mm-hmm. they've had a, a little bit of a summer break. I mean, come on. You're going to go from Watkins Glen <laughs> to Road America? That's... I can't even say that without smiling. Um, yeah, we've got Corey Lewis and Richie Antonucci looking to keep their streak alive. But, of course, now Corey Lewis is going to be doing double duty since he's been drafted in for the Paul Miller seat for the remainder of the year. So he's going to have a little bit of a split focus on the championship, but it should be the same as it was for his weekend at Watkins Glen when he was also running in the six-hour. Um, but a very interesting championship battle developing there, particularly in the AM class where we've got McKay Snow, who mm. actually has someone to battle against and got beat by at uh, Watkins Glen. So McKay's going to be looking for a little bit of redemption as it goes. Um, just a, a quick couple of uh, tweets coming in about the IndyCar that we are talking about. The rain line says, great race at the weekends. So was the missus. She commented it was the most exciting IndyCar race she's watched. Uh, knew a fan and really enjoyed it. Great race. A lot of respect shown between both the bat markers and the top two in the race. Really in- interesting to see the bat markers fighting it out to get a lap back so late in the race with no blue flag, said Adam. Well, that's Takuma Sato. He's always going to fight. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Another great road course race, Kevin Payne. Yeah, I don't disagree uh, with that at all. Um, so looking forward to Lambos. They'll be probably the quickest GT cars in a straight line here if we look at the top speeds. Yeah, I'd imagine that'll be pretty consistent to have that mm. um mr pilot challenge we've, usual excitement there uh well a little bit more because remember we've got 37 cars on the entry list although we still don't know if we're going to see that number eight audi from uh euro parts racing they haven't been bringing out starworks that apart that's top class gtd yeah yep Different Sorry, yes, okay, yep. carry on. Nope, you, you said Audi. You, I, I, I know exactly where your brain went. Yep. Uh, we do have the new Aston Martin that's going to be running as well as the old one this weekend. So hopefully we're going to get Tom Long back with Rob Eklund Jr. Because that was a lot of fun having the two of them together at Lime Rock Park. Still don't know who the second driver is going to be though because it's still TBD on the entry list. But remember, we've got the... What was it? The... Carbon Motorsports and Bimmerworld both running s- second cars. Yes. And those two cars are 1 2 in the championship. And what happens when Ooh. teams run second cars, their focus tends to get a Ooh, bit diverted. 
Yeah, that, that's a And who's messy. in the extra cars? So are, are they ended to try and help them with their championship aspirations? Or is that, no. do we think that's a business thing? Then? Business. Okay, that's, because that's fine. it's Ari Baylog and Seth Thomas in the Bimmer World number 80. So that'll be the team card of the 82, Devin Jones and James Clay, leading the second in the points. And leading the points is Carbon Motorsports. So our normal characters, where we've got Tyler McCrory and Jeff Westfall, championship leaders after Lime Rock. They're now joined by Tom Dyer and Mark Siegel. And we've seen that car before yeah. because Mark is one of the team principals and yeah. owners of the team. Yeah. Well, it, listen, if he can't have a play once in a while, what's hey, the point? And where else would you <laughs> want to have a play but Road America? Not, not going to uh, not going to complain about that. TCR, uh, any e- extras in TCR? TCR, the only car that we have that's um, different, I guess, um, but not really different because already a race winner this year, the number 17 from JDC Miller Motorsports. Right. Uh, it was Britt Casey Jr. and Mikey Taylor who took the win there. It's going to be um, Mikey Taylor again this weekend. Excuse me, Britt Casey Jr. again, but he is joined by Chris Miller, who's a hometown hero, Mm -hmm. Minnesota boy. So uh, he's not from too far away. This is his track. He loves it here. Uh, Always great entertainment in those two-hour dashes for the Michelin Pilot Challenge. Um, And that leaves us with the big show. Big show. So, as you said, we've got Starworks back. They said it's going to be an event-by-event basis. So, depending on how they run here affects whether or not we'll see them at VIR. I would assume that we're going to see them at WeatherTech Race by Laguna Seca either way because who wants to turn down a trip to Monterey, quite no, frankly. Um, so it, and Petite, you'd expect them to be at the big race because they'll feel they've got a... Whatever happens, they'll feel they've got a chance in a longer race. Y- yes. And, and we've seen them in the longer races, their strategy. There's nothing wrong with that strategy. No, exactly. And and Starworks knows how to win at Petit Le Mans. Ryan Dial's done it twice. You wouldn't skip that race. So, But again, it, the... Co- confirmation comes whether or not they'll uh, they'll do it race by race so we have to just wait and see and then see if their name's on the entry list and then more importantly if the trailer is in the paddock yeah that's always the best indication gt lamont usual suspects we've mentioned uh tom milner back again he's already tweeting he's he's, he's peaked early he's too <laughs> he's too excited for this early part of the week well but he, he just he said it's going to be great to be back in a car rather than standing around watching because although he hasn't been driving and i think this is quite brave of him he's still been at the track and the place that the racing driver doesn't want to be when he's not driving is watching his car going around with someone else driving it i think he's been great he's been a super team player and it's fab to see him back i couldn't agree more the the Saving grace for Tommy, at least, would be that he's used to watching his car go around when Marcel is in it from the endurance races. Fair point. And Marcel isn't threatening to try and take his seat away. It's not as if racing driver is all of a sudden worried because some new kid is being put in the car who one day wants to be a Corvette factory driver. Marcel's already got that title. So I think that possibly makes it a little bit easier. But for Tommy, his wife's Lauren's birthday was earlier this week. Oh, okay. So maybe he's just still hopped up a little bit on birthday cake. Maybe that's all the, the happy-go-lucky tweets. Um. Top class uh, is P2. back. With, P2. Uh, P, P, well, both prototype classes are back. Well, that's what I meant. The top class of cars are back. The prototypes are back. We've had uh, some really interesting battles between those two cars. Still only the two of them. The, the hope is that, again, we get them out on track together because when that happens and when you watch them in qualifying, it's fantastic to watch. But we've not always had them running together because one or, two, one or other of them have had some issues, technical issues or gotten involved in other people's battles. 
Yeah, and I'm very excited about this weekend because we've got two drivers, uh, one completely new to the championship, one making his return to the championship, but it has been two years since he won a race, James French, who is mm. literally the local boy. He will be sleeping in his own bed during mm. this race weekend. And he's uber quick round here. He's... Qualifying will be awesome. He'll be looking for track records in qualifying. Yeah. Oh, he'll, he'll take the pole unless a giant fluffy pink cat comes out and knocks him off the track. I mean, there there is no reason for James French not to claim another pole position. I think he's already got 11 to his name, so that would continue extending his streak. Um, but he's back with Performance Tech, which is relevant because it means that Cameron Castles is now going for a solo championship in LMP2. It's the yes. first race that Kyle Masson has missed. And on the other side of that, the flip side for PR1 Matheson Motorsports, Patrick Kelly is joining Matt McMurray, mm-hmm. Matt, who leads the championship solo right now. So we are going to have a solo champion in LMP2 one way or the other. Patrick Kelly, I could only find... Unless has, the tie on everything. Unless they Be- are co-champions. Because they be could cool. only have been first or second. First, yeah. So if you get to the end of the year and the tied on wins, they'll also be tied on second places. So you could No, ha- they wouldn't because of Daytona, where there were four cars under. Oh. Good yep, call. Daytona's the one that would break the camel's back, in which ah. case the straw would swing towards performance tech because they finished second and PR1 didn't finish. They finished fourth. Um, so Patrick Kelly has one IMSA start to his credit. That was with Alex Joe Bracing at Sebring. I think it was back in 2003, but I have to check wow. my notes. It was quite some time ago, uh, sharing a Porsche with Bill Sweetler. So it's been quite a long time for Patrick. Uh, top class, DPIs. As, we, as I say, we welcome back the prototypes. And now, one thing that we said in the Michelin Post Race Tech Show from Lime Rock Park after North East Grand Prix was, I hope that the prototype drivers are watching because we can have clean racing on the tightest of tight circuits with, you know, not very many passing places. Let's hope that, that they are, you know, have their heads. We were talking about respecting IndyCar. Um, it'd, be, it'd be nice to have a, a, a full race with, with no yellows here as, as well. That might mean just having a bit of patience at time. But there's some good passing places here for the prototypes. There's also places to get stuck off track, though, and that's the one thing mm. that makes me think that this race will have some caution because gravel the exit traps. of turn one, gravel yeah. trap, you've got Canada Corner, gravel, gravel trap. trap, the exit of the final turn, gravel, gravel trap. trap. So there's more... Well, just don't get in them, though. Yes. That's, you know, It sounds like a very obvious thing to say, but if you don't end up in a gravel trap, you won't get stuck there. So don't yeah. put yourself in a position to get stuffed off into a tra- gravel trap or don't bump somebody off into a dra- gravel trap. Am I being too simplistic there? Uh, I think you should come to the driver's meeting and just stand up and say, uh, say that, that to them all. Right. <laughs> Guys, these are the gravel traps. Avoid them. them. Yes. Okay, break. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, we've got 10 DPIs this weekend. So still missing Yunkos, which is sad. And we hope to see that car back before the end of the year. Um, optimistic. I will always be towards that uh, situation. But we have the two Mazdas with a different performance. Um, well... How, how do we put it? A, a different set of cards to play with than they've mm. had for the last couple of races. So that's going to be interesting. Penske was slightly altered as well with the Acura. We've got a slightly different fuel capacity for the Cadillac. Weight differences for all three cars. The only one that's the same as the last time we saw it at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park is the Nissan. I was listening back to last week's show when I was driving around uh, last week. 
and um, heard you saying, I'm saying this, but it's just words. Have we found out of what any of that means about the kilowatts and all that sort of stuff? Nope, not yet. Uh, <laughs> I did see Simon Hodgson last weekend briefly on the podium at Indy for the Ferrari Challenge where he was handing out the trophies, okay. but that was at the end of the second race, fourth race on the second day. And yeah, my brain wasn't capable of absorbing any of that wisdom at that point in time. Uh so who wins it then? Is this, I mean, can it be another, could it be three in a row for Mazda? It, you'd say it was a Mazda track and it's a, it's a short race. They've done everything right so far. If they can keep it going, even with the performance differences, you'd say they're in with a heck of a good chance. I'm not going to jinx them. They have not lost a race while I've been wearing my new fire suit. I will just Ooh. say that. But preseason <laughs> picks, my weekend has a lot to do with the number three. Right. Uh, I think... I think the 31 Whelan Engineering Cadillac is going to be really strong here this weekend. They were very strong in the race last year. They went with a slightly different fuel strategy than the other two cars who were saving like there was no tomorrow. And ultimately, it was Core Autosport who won the weekend and the Red Dragon and Stephen Simpson coming home second. But it's just been a little while since we've had a Cadillac win. Uh, it takes us all the way back to Long Beach, as a matter of fact. So they were victorious in the first three races of the season. Then the Acura went on to claim two. Now Mazda's come on to claim two. Kind of feel like it might be circling back around a little bit. Uh, we start on Friday, August the 2nd, for our coverage uh, with uh, all of the details on uh, RS2's schedule at the bottom of Radio Le Mans. Dot com or radio-show.co.uk. Much sound and vision coverage this weekend because all of the races for the development series that we've been talking about, uh, which includes Michelin and the Porsche Championships and the Lamborghinis, plus, of course, the qualifying for WeatherTech, all available, no blocks, no breaks the, uh, for all of those, and that's everywhere. Uh, around the world, plus here in the US as well. If you're in the US and you want to watch the uh, IMSA WeatherTech race on Sunday, then obviously that's on NBC. Tape delayed. SN, tape delayed. Yes. But we'll have we'll have it live and on uh, XM as well. Uh, outside of the US and in a country that doesn't have a network TV deal, it's the usual script. You can watch it all live uninterrupted. Uh, now, before we leave IMSA and uh, head uh, back to Tim over in London, well, let's just check he's still alive. You still there, Tim? Yes. Hello? On to my okay, second excellent. beer. <laughs> oh, well, well yes, done. Well, well, not drinking alone. He's, he's got friends. No, that's we're fine. here. No, that's I've what we said. We yep. had a big Same discussion. Now. You were listening, back. weren't you? Three friends. Yes, excellent. Um, five out of ten for Imza. Now, that normally, you know, 500, batting 500 on, on the season, that, that's pretty good. That's Hall of Fame stuff. Five out of ten in your end of school report wouldn't be so good. But this is five out of ten. <laughs> this, uh, this five out of ten, five out of actually, ten is... reports are fail. Well, no, yeah. exactly. Um, well, interesting, though, isn't it? Five out of ten, your skill report to fail. Uh, Batten, 500. Winning in, five out of ten races in a season is really yeah, good. Pretty good. Yeah, lifetime lifetime average, Bill Bill Oberlin's yeah. over, up over Batten 500. If you've batten 500 in MLB, you're a Hall of Fame, you know, baseball player. Uh, this is something entirely different. And, and whether you think any of those stats are relevant, five out of ten in this context is actually quite remarkable in the context of what's been uh, what, what we're talking about here. And I presume you've seen this story. Yes, I have. Um, in I terms haven't. of the... Te- have really? you not? No, because it's not well, available Tim- on the European version of USA Today. 
No. Because USA Today still isn't compliant with uh, EU uh, regulations ah. about data gathering. Uh, so if you oh. search for this story on the European version of USA Today, you get uh, Reagan was a racist. <laughs> what? <laughs> Move on from that. Well, you can, you can go to imsa.com um, and, and basically five races from the 2019 IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, a part of the USA Today's 10 Best Readers' Choice for North America's Best Motorsport Race. That's extraordinary. So, Best Motorsport Race in North America and five of the top 10, including the top race, are IMSA races. Um, any idea, Tim, what the top race was? Uh, Sebring. Yes. Yep. Mobile One, 12 hours of Sebring. Very good. Um, f- where fifth? Uh, sorry, no. Uh, fourth. fourth. Fourth is next. Which one's fourth? Oh, that, uh, um, Watkins Glen. Was that too recent? No. Very interesting. This one. Very interesting. This one. I, Watkins I, wasn't on there. What, Watkins wasn't what, on Watkins the list. Might which have I was been too late to make it then. Mm. Well, no, because there are races on the list that haven't yet taken place. Yeah. Oh. So it's gone into. Yeah, it's gone into last. It's gone into last year. I, I presume it's all time. But uh, fourth was the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. Um, really? Or actually, yes. Which surprised me because that was one above um, the Rolex Twenty Four Daytona in fifth, uh, and then sixth. So four, five, and sixth were all Imsuris. What do you think was sixth then? Uh, well, presumably where you are this weekend. That's no. Be up there. No. Not, nope. not in, not in this one again. A, a shocker to me, um, but it's interesting that three of the four long races are in there, and we've said that Watkins is not. So it was Road Atlanta for the Mortal Patelamon in sixth position, and mm-hmm. in tenth, tenth. Which one do you think is tenth, and that you haven't mentioned yet? Well, you haven't mentioned it yet. I suspect it's got to be another one in the south because all of these uh, races seem to be in the south and uh, obviously USA Today readers don't live in New England. Um, so? Where else do you go? Barber Motorsports Park? You don't go there anymore, do no, you? No, I don't go there. Um, VIR? VIR is probably too far but... north. Mm, see? You're on the wrong coast. Portland? No, you don't go to Portland either. <laughs> no. It's probably our fourth most northern race yeah. in terms of geography. Where the tech race where Laguna Seca. Ah, uh, yes. Which was to- in, in the top ten, fifth of the races. I think in this the top ten. reveals it's a lot about USA Today readers, to be honest. Well, well it's interesting because um, in these polls, uh, it's, it's, it's done by readers and experts. Sorry, we have a, an insect problem um, and a stubborn insect that it's just taken us about 27 hits with a <laughs> newspaper to kill. We used USA Today, though, so they are, but now it's, now it's gone. Um, these, these lists um, have featured the WeatherTech Sports Guard Championship uh, over the last few years. The second consecutive year, WeatherTech Laguna Seca races have made, made an appearance. It was fifth last year. Uh, it's dropped to tenth. Sebring was fourth in 2017 and 6th in 2015 and that's now top. Rolex 24 in 2017 was placed ninth and has moved up. But there's never been this many 
of the IMSA races in the top 10. Okay, I'm taking off my little bright and sunny sunglasses yeah, and yeah, yeah. putting the dark rain cloud. Yeah. Normally, the way that they do this is they take a set of about 20 of something mm. and then go for a 10 best. So mm. that's how they do their restaurants. They'll mm. go to 20 restaurants and then judge them from 10. So if they went to 20 races, maybe... Ours were just more exciting than the other ones that they went to. Uh, also on the list was the Indy 500. You had the Daytona 500. Yeah. There, there were variety. but Which as you would have expected to see on there. Abso- yeah. Absolutely. But perhaps the writers of this just enjoyed themselves more at the IMSA rounds than they did the others. Well, this this comes from the 10 best readers choice of auto, uh, 10 best.com, which is a, a travel media site. Now, it is promoted across USA Today uh, on their travel media group, Digital and mobile product as well as via social, uh, social media. But this is uh, an independent um, site that does that. I, I thought it was interesting that there was five on there and, and that Sabring got the best. What it says to me, I, I don't know, you know, really, but it says that IMSA fans are becoming more and more engaged and they're prepared, as we've always known, they're very vocal, they're very evangelical, they want to bring friends. What it says to me, though, is... Everything that Scott Atherton and the team are doing, um, we enjoy it. We see about 19 different manufacturers in this championship at the moment. Um, then clearly that is rubbing off somewhere onto the fans, and the fans want to make a noise about it. Win, win, win. Yeah, it, it, there's nothing wrong with the way that fans feel when they come to an Impsopatic because you feel included. You feel like you get to go right up to the race cars and see them and okay, maybe not touch them, but be closer to them than you can just about anywhere else. You're more interactive with the drivers. There's not a long line that you get in to stand in because you get every single driver's autograph and they don't even look at you as they sign the autograph cards. No, here you go to the table of the people that you want to meet. You have a little conversation with them. Mm. Get a hero card, get something signed. It leaves a mark on you. Uh, I thought it was nice. It was very classy. Uh, Gerard Nouveau of the WEC and indeed the WEC press office were very quick to congratulate. Obviously, they did point out that they'll be part of Sabring again yes. uh, in the in the coming year. And that, that's fine as well. But doesn't that show that they're being sensible? They know when they're onto a good thing. IMSA is in a good place at the moment because of that manufacturer interest. And, and you know... Uh, I think it was John de Geese reporting on Sportscar 365 about uh, a rapprochement in the uh, idea that DPI 2.0, hypercar, whatever you want to call it, LMP1 2020, uh, might be something that can come together and have convergence. Although Vincent Bourmanil was pretty offhand about it in the Q&A after uh, Vincent Bourmanil is the head of the ACO's technical department. He was pretty offhand about it and dismissed it um, fairly straightforwardly, actually, <laughs> uh, in the Q&A after the, the Le Mans press conference on Friday uh, this year. But it makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense for everybody who's involved in sports cars at that level to say, look, this is the kind of response that these races are getting. Let's... Let's associate ourselves with... It's much better to associate yourself with something that's doing well than something that isn't doing well. Oh, totally. And I thought it was funny that um, 
I think it was Gerard who said, ah, congratulations on Super Sebring for winning. Yeah. And I wanted to write back and said, no, no, it was the, the 12 hours of Sebring. But all credit due, I have a lot of friends in South Florida who are interested in going to Super Sebring because they get to see so many different series running for the price of admission. That makes it worth their while and sleeping in a tent and being around um, some pretty ruckus people who perhaps don't value sleep as much as they value alcohol. So it, it really has had a good impact on fans all across the U.S. Uh, and I should say, and Carol Brink, thank you for reminding me of this. It's not that long ago that the Nat- National Geographic uh, did their top 10 of everything in terms of sporting events. Uh, Grand National in the UK, horse racing, steeplechase event at 10. The World Series in the United States at 9. Wimbledon Tennis in the UK at 8. At 7, Polo at Palermo in Argentina. Wow. That's an interesting one. The Masters, golf, uh, and the green jacket in the United States at 6. At 5, NBA Finals in the USA. At 4, the Super Bowl in the USA. At 3, World Cup Soccer Anywhere. (laughs) Uh, at two, the Olympic Games. Yeah. And number one of sporting events anywhere, the Le Mans 24 Hours. So in terms of events with a capital E, um, if you look at what has been voted on recently, um, endurance racing comes out, and, and long endurance racing in particular, which is interesting, isn't it? Because we get people telling us all the time that people don't have the attention span <laughs> for these long races, and particularly the young fans who are, who are using social media and streaming and all of that well that's complete nonsense compared it's just maybe the same people who don't have the attention span to watch a long race also don't have the attention span to fill in opinion polls about their favorite (laughs) sporting (laughs) event they only get down the top three and it was the last thing they watched because that's all i can remember (laughs) The, the biggest thing for me though john is that you go to a drag racing event and you've got a lot of racing packed into a day you get a lot of bang for your buck literally because the cars are exploding as they take off the line but you've also got downtime you don't have that with the 24-hour no, race no literally <laughs> it just keeps going yeah davy chubrews on this has said listen as a package the imsa setup is the best racing for the weekend whether you're at the track or watching are listening online or on TV. I mean, it's true. There's a lot packed in. Look at this weekend, for example. I mean, the last the last race weekend at Lime Rock Park, we were kind of saying it's back and forth. Yeah, (laughs) it was only the two series. But even with that, there was I think the longest break we had, other than one lunch break on maybe Friday or was it Saturday? Saturday. Yes, we had a lunch break on Saturday. Saturday, We didn't have one on Friday. Friday, That's right. The longest break we had was 15 minutes between sessions. And, you know, the fans, all the fans at Lime Rock Park that I talked to said, no, this is great value. We love it. We love the Friday, Saturday. A lot of people liking the Friday, Saturday events as well. Let's have your, uh, let's have your thoughts, please, at Specutainment. Tim Gray, where would you like to take us now? Uh, oh, back to Mid-Ohio, back to Mid-Ohio, you Mid-Ohio said. Because you yes. mentioned there was no uh, caution there during the IndyCar race, but there were two Indy Lights mm-hmm. races, and both of them had a caution. Right. Uh, right. They were rounds 12 and 13 of the uh, Indy Light Series. And round 12 was won by uh, 22-year-old Floridian Oliver Askew. Uh, while round 13 was won by 22-year-old Floridian Oliver Askew. So that makes uh, wins 5 and 6 of the season for him. And he has a 45-point lead over Rhinus VK, uh, who is second in the championship. And Ryan Norman is a very long way back in third. Jeremy knows how to pick them. Yeah, he does. Uh, Rinus VK is the real deal, though. He's got a lot of good backing. 
Isn't he backed by Yumbo? Yes. He is, yes. Yeah, I thought he was. Yeah, I, I did some voiceovers for um, a showreel for him uh, quite a while ago when he was just coming out of karting and spoke to a few guys that we, obviously, we deal with a lot of the, the Dutch guys with Kreventnik and, and uh, such like, and they're very knowledgeable about the, the guys coming through, and they said, you need to keep an eye on this boy, and I've, I've sort of kept a, a, a sideways glance and to see what he's doing. It, he is apparently really, really talented, and to go with the talent, he's got the backing, and that's so important, she, isn't it, yeah, clearly? it really is, and that's one thing that Oliver perhaps doesn't have intrinsically, mm. but it's something that he's earning by showing his true colours and just how accomplished he is already at such a young age. He could be the next Joseph Newgarden. And, and you, you said Jeremy knows how to pick him because he's another graduate yep. of Team USA. Yes, he is. Uh, same year as Kyle Kirkwood, if memory yeah, serves. very good. Yeah. Yeah, very uh, good. Linus has um, good publicity behind him because uh, I was sent this uh, story uh, uh, about Indie Lights. I got nothing about uh, Oliver Askew, but I got uh, Linus VK getting podium finishes uh, as press releases from both his uh, people and from the team. In point of fact, I don't think the young Dutchman needs to win the championship to advance his career. I think Oliver probably does. Yeah. And Oliver needs the money, too. Because it comes with a, a, a check yep. that he'll be able to use to try and move on and, and advance his career. Precisely. Yeah. Can we go to Australia uh, now? Oh, sure. Yes. No, come on. Cool. Let's do it. Uh, 2020 V8 supercar calendar mm. oh. uh, is likely to be a lot shorter. Controversy. Controversy. Uh, shorter? Yes. With only Ooh. 14 events. Mm-hmm. 14 weekends? Which means uh, that two have got to go. And uh, the Queensland going being one of the favourites. Queensland, <gasps> could be Winton, Uh-oh. could be Townsville, Uh-oh. could be Phillip Island. Oh, no, I love Phillip Island. Can't be Phillip Island. I'll tell you that it now. It could be Phillip and Island. Absolutely. They don't have a contract for 2020 at the moment. Oh, shoot. Um, go well, the... the, 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 the the ones that don't have, there are, I think, five, aren't there? There's the Gold Coast Gold 600, Coastal which Service. they can't have a contract, lose. But they think that uh, that will stay. Yeah. Phillip Island Super Sprint, as you rightly say. Townsville 400. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that one. I like Sandown 500 and the Winton Super Sprint. They can't lose any of those. I'll be sad. Um, the Super Night 300 at Sydney is back. Which is mega. Yeah, that's at um, Eastern Creek. Oh, Sydney Motorsport Park, sorry. Yeah. Um, so the the ones that are there are the Adelaide 500, the Auckland Super Sprint, the Bathurst 1000, the Benz, this is not in order, obviously, The this is in alphabetical order, the Benz Super Sprint, Dar- Darwin Triple Crown, Ipswich Super Sprint, Melbourne 400, Newcastle 500, Perth Super Night, Sydney Super Night 300 and the Tassie Super Sprint. Those are the ones that have got a contract team. So yes. how many was that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Is that 11 I mentioned there? Yeah. We expect Sandown and so um, Gold Coast to be on there as well. 13. Right. Aww. So, so we that's missed t- one. Two oh, of t- one of them's double header, is it? Yeah, it must be. They're all, they're uh, all, they're all they're double header except for... Except the Darwin, which is a triple. And Bathurst. Which is a single, yeah. yeah. So, so two out of the Gold Coast, Phillip Island, and Townsville, you think's got a go? No, two out of Winton, Townsville, Phillip Island, and Queensland. Right. Okay. Aww. 
Okay. So the Gold That's Coast depressing. is safe. Hmm. Can we give a shout out for Scotty Mack? Oh. <laughs> did you see this, Tim? This I was didn't, unbelievable. No. Right. Oh. So a, a huge. I didn't say, but I read about it. So th- there was a huge amount of fines handed out for doing donuts. For all kinds of stuff that you you kind of expect, because Mustang won the championship, and the season isn't over, but they've already secured the manufacturers. Right. So there was big celebratory donuts for that. Then on the podium, they had the usual sort of newspaper headlines saying Mustang wins the championship. Yep. And they were fined. Was it ten thousand Aussie dollars? And. Uh, for doing that, because it's it's against the regulations. Apparently, it's a bit like celebrating a championship in Formula One when you, you can't do that because it you have to wait till the FIA night of champions and all of that, and it's all still provisional and blah blah blah. So uh, it was Scott S- Scott McLaughlin, Scotty McLaughlin, uh, Chazzy Mustard. They they put it they put up. The, the thing that was funny about it that I thought was, first of all, that Virgin Australian Supercars tweeted the picture saying, you know, big fines, blah, 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 broken the rules. But they put the picture up of them with the things anyway. So extra publicity for Ford. Thank you. And the retreat from Scotty Mack was, is it okay if I pay for this out of the Armorall Paul Award? And had a picture of him getting $13,000 for the Armorall Paul Award check, which I, th- and I did tweet to him, best <laughs> response ever. Yep. It was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. But, I mean, it, it seems a bit killjoy. Don't, I, 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 I kind of don't understand it, really. Surely, I mean, doing donuts... Is, uh, that's well, part of it, isn't it? They always love to give fines and penalties towards Triple Eight. That's something that's been well established that Triple Eight <laughs> fans out there. Well, uh, they'll think that they'll think that they're being picked on again. Yeah, exactly. And, and somebody said, "Oh, if it was Holden, it wouldn't have happened." But yeah, uh, you know, no. And and good on Mustang. You know, Ford comes out with this new car and it seals up the manufacturer's championship well before the season's over. A lot of credit towards them for doing that. Mm. Um, but also is SVG's 100th podium in his very short career. So we can't overlook that in terms of the Holden fans. That, that's pretty cool for them as well. The donut thing was about there being some people on the track at the time. There were some officials around them. And there was a safety. Ah, yeah. There was a safety thing about that. Um, anyway, congratulations to Ford coming back in the championship with the, or coming into the championship with the Mustang and winning it. Um, couple of tweets coming in uh, as we have a little bit of time before the end from R. William Brunner says having just been to an Indy race mid-Ohio um, and having been to several IMSA races IMSA makes a much more compelling race weekend in part because of the support bill being so much better to watch trackside Indy Lights and USF 2000 were thoroughly underwhelming trackside uh, David Two Bruce, IMSA is the best package you can watch over a weekend. WeatherTech is worth, worth the money on its own, but then you have things like Mission and Pilot Challenge, Pro- Prototype Challenge, which is fabulous. But I mean, Prototypes, we don't have here this weekend, but Prototypes are a massive fan favourite, aren't they? Yeah. Because they sound so good. They sound great. You get a very long American race. Yeah. yeah, very, very deep guttural sound, even though it's a Nissan engine, so go figure that. Yeah, but it's um, a V8. But it's a V8. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair yeah. point. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Michelin Pilot Challenge, you do one of those races as a standalone on its own weekend and you're still going to get fans coming out because that racing is some of the best you can find. M- mentioned this as well at uh, Lime Rock Park and I'm starting to say this more often interested to see what happens here this weekend given the proximity to a couple of big urban areas. Um, on Saturday, on race day followed up a train of modified Honda cars <laughs> that were clearly coming up to support the TCR cars and that's, that's a completely different set of spectators than I've seen 
before, but it was nice to see them there. And I had a chat the guy who had the slammed black car, which looked absolutely stock until you took a good look at it. And it was so glossy black, it was ridiculous. It looked like you could have put your arm into it. And I had a chat with him, and he hadn't been to Lime Rock Park for IMSA before, but the, the TCR cars had brought him there because the Type R was there. So I think that's interesting. Tim, you've got a tweet for us. Yes, uh, back to uh, V8 Supercars. Uh, it's not one of my tweets. It's uh, one of Betty Clemenko's tweets. Oh, yes. Oh, bring it. Yes. Uh, well, good morning, creation. My quick to get off Gene struck again when I realised that the anthem was not going to be played. Brackets, oh, God, I can't believe I did this. Close brackets. I went to the pit wall and shouted at the top of my voice, Supercars are... Murph was walking right in front of me and he thought I meant him, so I shake my head and scream. No, supercars are. Except she would have left the, the, the words that you did taken use out. those words, yes. This, this was an interesting thing. Brettley Clemento, for those that don't know, um, uh, Erebus Motorsport, first lady of American, uh, of Australian, Australian motorsport, I should say. Um, first lady of Australian motorsport, fabulous person, absolutely down to earth, calls a spade, calls a, spade a shovel, and <laughs> uh, makes no bones about it, and was incensed, Shay, that there was no national anthem played. And, you know, Aussies are very, very proud of their nationality. And I, I've got some sympathy in that, to be honest. It's, a, it's one of their big sporting events. And she was expecting the national anthem. We had a very similar thing happen at Ferrari Challenge this weekend at Indy, where we paused for a moment for the national anthem to play. And it played for the people in the suites, but nobody on the front straight. <laughs> Oops. And there was a lot of people standing around looking, waiting for the anthem to start playing. And, uh, and whose national anthem was it? What national anthem? American. Oh my in goodness! Indy. You're kidding me. And the um, pylon was lit up with the American flag, and there was just silence. So mm. we we did have a very similar situation, but nobody was yelling out profanity. I find that a very Australian thing to do. Well, it's a very uh, Betty thing as well. It's a very Betty thing to do. You gotta love her. She she's such a a boisterous and happy and general motorsport loving fan. Yes. And I, I would expect nothing less from her than to go out there and perhaps even start singing it herself. No. Uh, absolutely agree. Um, that's just about it for this week. Have you got anything you, uh, for this week? Do you want to squeeze anything in yes, before the end of the show? little oh, things right. to squeeze in. Seagrave uh, Trophy. Yes. Congratulations, uh, Billy Munger. Billy not, Munger. Not, an, this, yeah, not awarded every year this. Only um, I think when they feel someone uh, uh, um, is yes, has the done something was, exceptional, uh, Sam Sunderland, who is the is he the, he's the Paris Dakar rider, isn't he? He is, yes. Um, previous uh, winners include uh, Sir Sterling Moss, uh, Lewis um, Hamilton. Didn't we get the Audi team winning at one year, McNish and? Uh, was that the uh, Seagrove Trophy or was that one of the others? Ooh, uh, yeah, anyway, this was on. for uh, winning the Pau Grand Prix this year. Mm. Um, it, I mean, fantastic comeback um, with... Uh, I, I don't know how you even de- describe the kind of fortitude that that requires. Uh, absolutely. I, I think in the spirit of Sir Henry Seagrove, jolly well done, old chap. And uh, and long may he continue to be uh, racing. Anything else, Tim? 
I did have another story. I can't find it now. Oh, Don't yes. worry, I calendar news. Oh, Oh, yes, right. You do love a bit of calendar news, I love don't a you? bit of calendar news. We uh, have done some Australian calendar news, but now we have some Middle East calendar news because the calendar has been right. announced for next year's TCR Middle East series, uh, which is one. Oh, right. Now, this is run by, by Creventic, of Creventic, course. Creventic, yes. Yeah. Mm. Um, Go on, fire away. It has six events. Uh, sorry, six races over two events. Uh, so th- a two-round six-race calendar, three races at uh, each of uh, Dubai and Abu Dhabi. And presumably that's around the same time as the Dubai 24 hours or just after the Dubai 24 hours. They, they try to sort of make Do it, it when so it's that cool anybody enough who... not to kill people. Well, also, if you're going to ship a car from Europe or anywhere else, do it before the season starts. Come and do the Dubai 24, and then you've got six sprint races to do straight off the bat of it. So is, is it the end of January, beginning of Feb, or so all done by the end of January? 9th and 10th of January uh, for Dubai, because right, well, it's a support race for the 24 hours. Excellent. And 16th and 17th of uh, January at Yas Marina. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. May I do a quick bit of American calendar news, yeah. or at least a tease. Mm. Pay attention on Friday night when the IMSA calendar is revealed because I know of one change that nobody's talked about. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then we'll be taking that live as well. Uh, Scott Atherton will be joining me on stage for a little chat about the state of the series, and we'll be carrying that live. It will be in sound and vision as well. Uh, so join us for that. That will be on RS2 IMSA Radio, which is also where you'll find the Michelin Pilot Challenge, WeatherTech Sports Car Challenge, the uh, Porsche GT3 Cup and the Lamborghini Super Trofeo this weekend. It's RS3 uh, at a quarter past 10 UK time on Saturday in the morning for the six hours of the uh, Rover Racing ADAC six hours. That's the round five of the VLN. Uh, Johnny Palmer uh, is our lead commentator for that with Paul Truswell joining him uh, in the commentary box. Uh, and uh, that, as I say, is over on RS3 with all of the IMSA stuff, of course, here on, on RS2, the new home of IMSA Radio or the current home of IMSA Radio. Uh, and we'll be back next week at the same time. Uh, thank you to Tim Gray, who's put this show together perfectly as ever, to Nick Damon, who's presumably back from his taxi driving now in the world's uh, least suitable vehicle for a taxi, 710 horsepower of Grand Cherokee Trackhawk. Uh, Shea Adam, who dashed... From the airport to if, be here. If I drive really slow to the hotel, does that make it? That makes up? it up. Average. Okay. Absolutely. Average. Perfect. Works works perfectly. Uh, to the responsible adult who is everywhere, of course, so doesn't have to dash at any time because, frankly, it's unbecoming. I'm John Hindoff. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we've got live stuff for you this weekend, making up for the one week that we've been off in the last 17. Doubleheader, as I've mentioned. Check RadioLamont.com for details. All the schedules are at the bottom. But there's no time to explain because the llama is helping set up the paddock. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.